0: To defeat an enemy, you must know them, not simply their battle tactics, but their history, philosophy, and art. everyone, welcome back to another Thrawn-tastic episode of Empire Radio. I'm Jeremiah. I'm Drew. And we are back with week two, part two of Thrawn Ascendancy Trilogy Book Talk. So... Yeah. We're here. We're back. So, if you missed last week, we talked about... um, the world building of the ascendancy. And so we talked about Skywalkers and the chaos and Navigators and family stuff and politics and all that jazz. And so yeah. we figured, you know, we're do- talking about three books here. It would be hard to talk about it and then not talk about all the like world building stuff. So we kind of split it up. So world building stuff last week, but now this week we're actually going to talk about,
1: spoilers
0: the the plot specifically uh, of each book and kind of just some overview of stuff and talk about some characters and stuff because we're going to do three books in one recording so we we're not going to go like super in-depth on each book we're just gonna go over some primary plot points and some uh new character or actually they're all new to me but characters that we're introduced to um, and just kind of talk about those, just keep things an overview. And so we're going to skip over a lot of minor plot points and other plot points that you might be hoping we're going to be discussing. But um, if you are in the chat and on Twitch, you can maybe bring up some topics that we don't talk about or something like that, and we'll maybe yeah. answer those questions. Um, but yes, before we get started, we should say, Last week, we got a Bad Batch trailer for Season 2, and some of you were hoping that we were going to do a, a deep dive tonight, but we're going to do that on Sunday, the 18th, in the evening. Uh, that's when it'll be live. That's when we'll be doing recording for that. Um, Sunday night, the 18th. Uh, we are not going to be doing our normal Tuesday on the 20th, just because... The holiday season and work will be busy for me, and I don't know if I can get out of work in time to record. So, if you hear this episode by Sunday, tune tune into that. And looking a little bit further to the week after that, on the 27th, we're thinking of doing an Ask Us Anything episode, just for fun. And so... For
1: giggles and fun.
0: Yes, so... We'll kind of talk about more details on the Bad Batch trailer stuff and how we're going to do that. We're not going to have a four-hour episode like we did last year when we did Ask Us Anything for Christmas. We're going to try and make it a little bit simpler so we're not here for four hours because that's a lot of work. So if you have some random good questions, keep them. I feel like
1: also it's not going to take as long because there's only
0: two of us. That is true. So, but we'll keep you posted on that. It will probably be primarily a discord thing just be, like for the questions for that. Cause we'll put up a chat channel in there or voicemails and people can submit their voicemails too. Um, but we'll probably do uh, something in the discord for people to ask random questions for us to kind of bullet, boom, boom, boom too, for a couple hours. So yes, look forward to but, that.
1: But also that is a good time to send your first voicemail. If you guys haven't too.
0: Right, because right.
1: it's a it's a good time to do that. So
0: yep, and then the week after that will be Bad Batch season two, and so we'll be doing that for uh was it it's sixteen episodes over the span of like thirteen or fourteen weeks because there's gonna be three weeks where they double up on episodes. So yes, um, keep in mind for that, and so there's gonna be a lot of Bad Batch stuff, but. That's just a few weeks out. and yeah, So
1: make sure you guys catch up if you guys haven't caught up with Bad Batch. Go watch season one right now. Go binge it over the holiday weekend.
0: And yeah. Yeah. And there was a Jedi Survivor trailer gameplay thing. We're not going to deep dive into that or go over that. It's kind of it some simple stuff. Um, Nothing too crazy. But Yeah,
1: people, there's, like, a lot of breakdowns of it I've seen online. But even the breakdowns I've seen, I'm like, Okay, like I don't know.
0: Yeah, there's we didn't really get much out of that tra- trailer thing, so yeah, we're not gonna really spend and time on did that. Did We
1: know the date, Are they it's, told us
0: it's like March 16th or 19th oh, it's or something.
1: Like actually, gonna come out, yeah, so like late a year or anything. Like uh, that. I
0: gotta get a PlayStation 5.
1: Yes, you do.
0: They probably won't have any anymore for the next like six months because mm-hmm. of
1: Christmas. Yeah, actually, I saw one. Yesterday at Walmart,
0: like in a display case,
1: they had like four,
0: really? Yeah, that's interesting.
1: I should I didn't think about. I was just like, oh, look, this yeah, you, could, you could have bought
0: it for me for Christmas, Drew, come on
1: That was so funny. That
0: sounds like a yes in <laughs> Tuscanese or whatever, but in tux- but anyway, tux-
1: but yes, we're Thrawn.
0: here for Thrawn, and so I read it for the first time. The Sensei trilogy, uh, Drew has now read to it twice because he yes. watched, listened to the audiobook when it first came out, and then he re-listened to it. So,
1: well, actually, I read it with the audiobook when it first came out, and then I just listened to it.
0: Oh, even better. But
1: and I've even watched breakdown videos to make sure I knew what I was talking about. And I still feel like I'm not going to
0: because those right. books are like,
1: like I said, I listened to them like the first one a few years back. And so like re-listening to them at work while I'm doing things. There's times I'm like, I'm just thinking about one thing and all of a sudden I'm two chapters in I'm like, what the heck did I just miss? So, yeah, so if, I, if we get things wrong, it's a lot of it's three books to break down in one episode is a lot. So bear with us. Yeah, And you know what? Spam those comment sections and tell us what we did wrong. That's fine. As long as you give the, the video and you give us five-star reviews, we don't care. Just go ahead. Just
2: But
0: yes.
1: Let's go trending and stuff.
0: Now, Drew, yes, what would you say are your overall thoughts of the Ascendancy Trilogy?
1: It, I like it. I don't like it near as much as the original one. Like, the original Thrawn the, books. The not canon like, one? The or... ca- the original canon ones. Right. Not, I'm not... We're not talking about the non-canon ones, right. which are actually really good. But, unfortunately, those aren't for us <laughs> anymore. But, yes, the original canon ones, I liked. I like that because it, it is... It has to do with the same world that we're more familiar with and, like, the Empire and like Jedi's and palps. Like I don't know. That timeline that they put those he puts those original three that he did are really good. And this prickle trilogy is really good, but it's not it feels separated from right. Star Wars in right. in the lack like of some situations. So I think that's the only reason why. Like it's just a little bit Harder to understand at some points because it isn't in the same world that we're in or the galaxy that we're normally used to. So I feel like that's the only reason why. Like if they came out with like a movie that was in outer space or whatever or in
0: uh, the chaos and the chaos, like, the like if they came out with
1: a movie that had to do with Thrawn or like someone in these book series in that timeline, I would probably enjoy them a lot more. Because visually, I'll be able to see that part. Besides just that little clip in Rise of Skywalker, yeah, Rise of Skywalker wasn't. Really oh, for enough. the chaos, yeah, yeah. So that's my only thing. But overall, like the, the, I mean, Timothy Zahn is amazing. So the books that he does is really, really good. And so, yeah.
0: Cool. What cool. About you?
1: What's your overall?
0: So going into this, I had. Like, no idea about anything about the plot. All I knew it was it took place before the original trilogy. And it was kind of like where Thrawn came from, obviously, because it's from his home mm-hmm. place of the Chiss Ascendancy. He was like, okay, that's all I know. But I had n- no idea anything about the plot. No character names. I... uh. Like I didn't know anything. So I didn't know what to expect. All I knew was Thrawn from Rebels. And so like, I love Thrawn. I when we, one of our, I think it was our first like real episode that we did as Empire Radio, we had our top five characters. And I put Thrawn in my top five characters just based on Rebels alone, because I really loved his character. And so I was like, okay, everyone says these books are amazing. Like all six books are amazing. And when these three, I was like, people were like, thought it was really good too. And I was like, okay, what's, what's going to happen. And then I had like, back in the day when we had the VCU going on, like Mm. Lucy would name drop some people and like things from the Thrawn books. And I was like, now I'm getting hyped about like this Thrawn stuff. Now I got to read them. So it was cool to see like some of the characters and whatnot that Lucy mentioned in the VCU. Um, and so that's all I kind of had. So going into like, okay, I'm excited. Let's see what it's all about. And so I kind of like you, I really like the, the freshness of it because it's completely like separate from the rest of Star Wars. Um, So it was, I really enjoyed learning like the culture and learning about how different things are. And we kind of talked about last week about how, you know, they have like primitive technology. They're not as advanced and, yeah because of that it affects their battle tactics and how they travel and I was like this is all really cool interesting stuff um and i i would say that overall i really liked the plot the overall plot um well i will get into like when we get into i thought the second book was my least favorite of the three um and we'll get into that but Looking at, that. like, the, I probably like the f- first book the most, even though I probably remember the least amount <laughs> from it. Um, yeah,
1: well, I mean, because that's just so far back. You so know? far
0: back. But, like, I feel like the second book and the third book were more, had much more simpler plot, whereas the first book there was, like, one, I'm getting, like, learning about all this new stuff.
1: It's a lot to but take in.
0: Then there's, but then there's like, yeah, it's a lot to take in. And it's like trying to figure out like how everything works and stuff. Um, so like, so like, but overall, I think I really like the storyline. Um, there's, I, I guess like I, I, I think I said it last week. I wish I saw all this stuff like in movie or TV form because this is something,
1: yeah, that's visually like,
0: different that I wish I yeah. could see. Um,
1: yeah, that's like my only thing that I feel like I would enjoy them even more if we were able to see it in some form of art.
0: Right. And some so... their
1: art form besides written. Yeah. I wonder, they should make like maybe like a, a comic book series on it. Even that would like satisfy some of the
0: visual. It would be cool to see like the visuals. It's kind of like if the... You know, Space Battles looked that the way I that. I imagined it. Yeah. Um, But I don't know. So what made you really
1: want to, like, actually do these books? Like, just the Thrawn character itself?
0: Well, it's because Because if Thrawn... you guys are
1: new, and you guys don't know. Jeremiah hasn't really read a book since, what, high school?
0: Well, I've read since high school. I haven't read any novels except for four books going into the Throne Trilogy, which were Star Wars books. Yeah, adult novels for the phase one of the High Republic, and then the Ahsoka novel. So those four, and then I've read these three. I kind of but prior
1: to that, it's been like a long time, and we kind of had to even pull you along to start those ones. Right,
0: but the reason I was so invested in wanting to do the Thrawn books is because I want to understand Thrawn in the Ahsoka series better. Like, oh, yeah, because we're going to get Thron in live action and, um, what he's doing out there is going to be strongly probably you know related to about, what, what all the books, see,
1: we might see some of lesser space in the Ahsoka show.
0: I think we will. I think we're going to see the Chiss Ascendancy in the Ahsoka thing, but there's also rumors for the... Okay, now we're going on a tangent, but there's also okay. rumors that in the Ahsoka show we're going to revisit the world between worlds from Rebels. Mm. So that could open the door to anything. So like, I have no idea what that could be. It um, could
1: open up the door to get Maul back somehow. <laughs>
0: Um, but yeah, so like I want to have all the no- knowledge I can on Thrawn going into the Ahsoka show, which is sometime next year. So I'm like I haven't read the next trilogy yet, and so we'll probably have to do that in you know after uh, what do you call it Mando season three. So mm-hmm. maybe starting in February or something, I'll start doing the audio books and reading the physical book. For the second trilogy just to get all caught up but like i just want to understand thrawn more because of he's in live action in ahsoka thing and i just don't want to miss any points because we'll be doing deep dives on that and i don't want to be left out on <laughs> stuff about thrawn yeah. so
1: i like i don't think we're gonna get any more like thrawn hints in mando season three but i guess it's possible
0: it's possible
1: Like, it's possible that we could see, like, some, like, Ahsoka interaction.
0: Right, because, well, the theory, the one theory, I know that we haven't heard a lot of it, but I know Andrew stated that he thinks that the, what they call the Flowniverse, or all how all these shows are going to intertwine, Mando, Boba Fett, Ahsoka, and if they bring in any other shows, it's, they're going to fight, like, the attack of the Grisk or something like that. Like, the Grisk are going to come... Back either into the main galaxy or in the Ascendancy, um which I can't really speak on because I know that the Grisk are part of the next trilogy, and so it's like I don't want to be spoiled on that, so I, we can't go into that much. But kind of, I know that there's the theory that the Grisk could be a primary galactic enemy coming up in the next couple of years.
1: Yeah, uh, it's not but, as prominent as you would hope. Honestly, in the next trilogy,
0: right? But I know that at the end of this trilogy, it they uh Jixus does threaten that they're gonna come back again for the the ascendancy. So yes, like I don't know if that happens in the next trilogy or not. Don't spoil it, or if it's something that has yet to be written down. Um, but it's it'll be cool to see the Grisk as like. Galactic enemy, yeah. Like, uh, because we, what do we? We see the separatists in the Clone Wars, and we see the Empire. Like there's that, and then like in the High Republic stuff, we see the Nihil, which was like seeing the Nihil stuff was refreshing, like a new enemy that's not related to the, the Sith or the something. The Nihil
1: stuff is so good. I think I think they did the the development of those characters and like those enemies were really well done. I think.
0: Right. So they see a galactic enemy that's not related to the Empire or the Sith or anything it would be really refreshing. I think that'd be cool if they do that in this time frame of and we'll maybe we'll see Luke in his prime like coming and like this killing Grisk and all that stuff. I don't know. See Ahsoka and Luke fighting Grisk, like that'd be cool. <laughs> that'd be cool. Um But yeah, so overall I like the the plot, the storyline of the Chis ascendancy or Thrawn ascendancy, which I feel like they should have called it the Chis ascendancy rather than the Thrawn ascendancy, because there's a lot of Thrawn in the first book, but in the second book there was barely any Thrawn. <laughs> and then yeah. in the and then there's so much stuff going on in the third book that like Thron wasn't even like a primary character at times. it Seems like so, um, I guess that's the the one negative was that I thought there was going to be more Thrawn and Thrawn ascendancy, but
1: yeah, they're honestly like this whole series is them building up the universe around where he's coming from. Right. And the other books are like heavily Thrawn. Right. But not heavily ascendancy. So like, right. They're trying to, I think what the or Timothy was trying to do was trying to tie both books together in the sense of like he's referencing a lot of the the extendacy and where he's from in the original or like the sequel books that came out first and people were asking questions and then he was able to go back and answer a lot of people's questions and then they tie better I honestly like haven't read them in order and I probably now that I'm read all three again I should probably go and do that because now it's gonna answer more questions I probably had and I forgot I had them
2: right
0: so so yeah so let's get into some book by book discussion um and like I said we're gonna do some super high overall point like main points we're gonna gloss over a lot of things just for time um because if we try to do deep dives on like every little thing in each book, this would be like a six hour podcast and we can't do that. So, Correct. so and,
1: uh, real quick, will did have a good point. Book two, Thrawn was pretty busy.
0: Well, we didn't see him be well, busy. Yeah, but, <laughs> we just knew he was doing stuff. Um,
1: but in another book, you find out what he was doing. Right. So,
0: so, uh, so like I said, we'll have some, go over some main points. And then I'll we'll have like character specific characters that come up that we'll talk about, um, just because. You don't there's have a lot. slideshow ready? No, I don't have a PowerPoint for this. Sorry,
2: Man.
0: I don't got time for that. I'm busy at work. I don't got time to do stuff. Excuses,
1: cutting meat.
0: Something like that. Uh, all right. So book one is called Chaos Rising, and so. Um, it's the book starts out with, um, there's refugee ships that are found. And so then they're all dead on these ships. And so they're alien refugee ships and they're like, what is going on? Where, why are they just floating in space? Like what, where did they come from? And this prompts the chist to start investigations. And so... Thrawn kind of heads that up, and whatnot, and like, okay, cool. This is what they're gonna investigate. What's going on? Because, um, they're Thrawn is part of the expansionary defense fleet, which is to protect the Ascendancy from outside threats. And so, if this is um, some evil people out there killing these people, like they need to be aware of what's going on and see who's doing what just so they can protect themselves. And so this is why they do the investigation. Um, and uh, when this happens, um, uh, Thalius, who is a former Skywalker who chose to become a myth so that she could uh, be in proximity to Thrawn because of a years prior, uh, she met Thrawn, and Thrawn had some words of wisdom that really changed her life, and so she wanted to be closer to Thrawn just because she admired him so much. Um, so she applied to be on Thrawn's ship, and immediately, she's kind of denied, but a gentleman named Thurfian pulls some strings and gets her on, and we learned that the reason that he wants her on there is so that she can spy on Thrawn. Uh, we kind of learned that throughout the the tr- uh, trilogy, but she's supposed to kind of report back to Therifeon about whether or not Thrawn is a threat to the Ascendancy's health and all that jazz. But that's how Thalius gets on, and she becomes a caretaker of Chiri the Skywalker. And so a lot of this... Um, book revolves around those three characters. There's a lot in there. So it was fun learning about them. And so through this um, investigation, they find uh, where they believe that, I don't think it was one of, just one or maybe both. I can't remember, but at least one of where the refugee ships came from. And it was a very difficult, like, like the worst place in the ascendancy to navigate. Um, it was a very hard to find planet, but they go in there and they f- learn about the true enemies that this book is on is about. It's called the, the Nicardoon, and so that's the enemies. So, what do you think about that, Drew? The Nicardoon as enemies in this
1: in book. the first book. Yeah, I I liked how they played a lot of political mind games with them. I thought that was pretty good,
0: right? Because, yeah, go ahead.
1: No, like I just liked how how they went about those characters, like how Timothy's on went about those characters. I I really liked that aspect of it. Honestly, I like the development of what's her name. Which one? Who? The main the girl that you're just talking uh, about. Uh, Thalias? Thalia's. Yes, that's her name. Yeah, I liked her development of her story because, like, in the beginning, they go through, like, her on the ship as she's no longer a Skywalker. Thrawn's on that ship, but he's not as higher up in rank yet. Right. And then he gives her that wisdom, and you see all this, and then she leaves, and then, like, she's watching Thrawn develop as a, like, as he goes higher up in rank. He's, like, she's watching this from a distance, essentially. Yeah. And she tries at a certain point to get, and then she also, I don't we didn't mention this, but she became a uh, a myth. Because when, cause when you're no longer a Skywalker, you can get adopted into a family. And she chose the myth family because of Thrawn. So right. that was like another big point that she was adopted into that family. And she figured out how to get on the ship, essentially. It was really cool development of a character and you learn it really quickly and you kind of they it's a lot of like political family stuff right away but i think by them using her character to explain it i thought it was really well done right
0: and so yeah so thalius like she's a character that um i don't know she i kind of have mixed feelings about her because like it, it's she kind of puts on this facade that she's always on Thrawn's side but like there's also times where she seems like she's not sure who to believe because she's on this kind of mission to like spy on him but i don't know it was kind of i don't really know if yeah. i i like Trust her. like i don't know it's kind of hard to explain because
1: i think it's one of those things where it's a character development Where she's realizing that Thrawn isn't this perfect person that she imagines him to be?
0: Oh, no. Well, maybe. But it was kind of like maybe it was, you know, in the first book, you know, you expect her to be weary of, you know, this mission that she was put on. And,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: you know, Thrawn is putting kind of her and Shiri in danger a lot. And, like, yeah, okay you're going to understand that she's going to be really confused on what to think or believe, but I feel like that was how she was through the whole trilogy, which didn't make sense to me. I thought like uh, by, the, yeah. by the end of the first book, she should have been fully on Thrawn's side and was like screw-thurfian. Um, now she yeah. does kind of, it's, I think it's the second book or maybe is this the first book? I can't remember. They're all blend blends together. But when she, yeah. when she leaves, to go to the myth homeworld and become a trial born or whatever to become like, cause if you're like, uh, an, a, like she could technically be kicked out of the myth family, yep. but she made sure that, you know, she could do what she needed to do to I go up in rank. Book, right? I think that's the second book, but like she makes sure that Thurfian can't screw her over.
2: Yeah, by kicking her out, back, because
0: Thurfian is one of the higher-ranking Myth family members, and he could ki- he could pull strings and have her removed from the Myth. So she goes behind his back and yeah, becomes a high enough status where she can't be removed from the family. So, like, I really like that she was, you know, that strong and independent where she could see. And
1: the- that's what I'm saying. Like, I feel like her character, uh, it develops where she she seems like in the beginning as a character, she's very dependent on her identity through Thrawn. But throughout these books, she becomes her own person and her own invisible person. And I feel like for Timothy Zahn, the writer, to separate that, he had to make it so that she wasn't 100% like she had to be a little bit of wo- weary of Thrawn throughout the whole trilogy right or just honestly higher up people in general she kind of gets weary of anyone very high up she doesn't really trust any of them
0: right. as much and cuz I was I was thinking okay she's going to do this whole trial thing where she gets high status in the myth- or high enough status in the family where she can't be removed I'm like, okay, once this happens, then she's going to be like, tell Thrawn everything, like, what her mission was and how she's going to stay faithful to him, But that didn't happen, really, so. No. Like, I
1: think she, throughout that, I think she sees things that she doesn't love about Thrawn.
0: Right, because like, she, she's always running into danger and she has to follow, basically.
1: Yeah, and and I think there's certain things that she, she, like, doesn't understand, because there's a lot of times throughout, Thrawn's award taxes that he he tells people enough but not all of it. So a lot of oh, times yeah. even That's... the people that he's working with are on edge and they they think it's going to go one way and he's like no. It's this, And then it goes a different way and it's risky and scary but then Thrawn knew that was going to go that way the entire time. But he doesn't tell everyone including the people. He's very sneaky and And I think there's certain times throughout these books that she doesn't like that. It's that dishonest. It's just not telling the full truth.
0: Well, like, stuff. Right. But, like, in the first book alone, Thrawn puts her in so much danger. Like, when (laughs) they find where the refugee ship came from, they go to like a mining. What was it, like a mining station where they meet yeah. the Pakash from the planet Ripak and
1: Say that five times.
0: No. Um, but like, I really like that scene where they enter mm-hmm. in and because Thrawn made the conclusion that this alien species puts uh, females in higher regard, like it's more of a matriarchal society or something like that. Yeah, and so he makes it look like she's leading him, mm-hmm. and like, but they're going like in a in a space station or mining station, not knowing what's there. Like she's, it's just the two of them; they could get killed easily. Yeah. Um, but she's there, and uh, I really like that scene just because of it was like the first time we see Thrawn. With his strategy, stri, stri, what's the word? Strat, not
1: stri, st,
0: Strategic ability—that's the word. I was uh, like was that?
2: That
0: is. <laughs> strategic ability, where you know he protects himself from the front by putting her in front because they're yeah. not going to shoot. But then, like they kind of, um, take jab at Thrawn, like. He's in the back, like, hollering, like, putting a woman in to protect him. But he's like, no, because I know that if someone comes from behind, I have to protect her. And so, it was sneaky. just interesting. It's
1: a little sneaky.
0: am like, like, yeah, it makes sense. Like, this is a good plan. Um, and But
1: as someone that's with Thrawn, wouldn't you want to know what the plan is?
0: Right. And maybe he did tell her just that we didn't see that just because I
1: don't know I think that's that's how his character like in the other books there's 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 a little there's other sneaky things that he does with other people but Thales knew there's times like throughout those other books too where he'll get into like a battle fight or he'll get into a, a fight and then he'll he'll know that this one character is gonna end up Flying into another character or something, he already called it, but the whole time, like everyone on deck is like, Oh, what's gonna happen? Well, this is how his character is. He's like, Always, I think, I think his character is like that because he's always a couple steps ahead. Like, I always view Thrawn as like a chess player, right? He's playing chess, and the best way to play chess is if you're like three or four steps ahead of what you're actually playing in the moment. And I think that's how he is with everything, including conversations. And there's a lot of times throughout uh, these books is he's, co- he's talking, and then you get a voice of him talking in his head and going through that. And so, like, he's always a couple of steps ahead. And with that, it's hard for him to – I don't even know if it's sneaky. I think it's actually hard for him to translate what's going on because he – gets to tell people because he's so far ahead that he just doesn't even tell people what's going on it could be that
0: I don't know well but I think Thelius well Thelius did know that Thrawn believed that they were a matriarchal culture they, yeah
1: but she didn't but
0: so, like part of me thinks that he told her more than the book tells us at that point Mm-hmm. Obviously, they were talking like on their way, like they were talking and had conversations and stuff that we never heard. Yeah, maybe, but I don't know. But yes, so the Pakash people, um, they become kind of like allies with Th- Thron um, because uh, the Pakash were enslaved by the Nikardun and specifically Yiv, the book the Benevolent, which is the main enemy, the leader of the Nick Ardun. and so um, they want, they believe that Thrawn can help help them in some way, so they become allies through the whole trilogy, which I thought was, it was good to see them, and so, but yes, give the Benevolent. Uh, so I'm going in, I thought that the Nick Ardun were going to be the enemies for all three books, (laughs) but, but that's not true. It was just the first book, um, which was interesting. Um, and so we did mention Yiv the Benevolent, which is the main guy. And he's, he's like a really smart guy like Thrawn. And the, my favorite scene, um, in this book was when, Yev and Thrawn meet at like some gala thing, whatever, whatever they call it. But they they meet because like they go because he he's I forget what planet they're on. Is it the the Vax the Vax? I think. Um, and Is so that, the, I, don't I think it was the Vax because they have that tapestry that they're. Oh accused.
1: yeah yeah yep yep. I think
0: and you're right. and so the it was interesting how because okay, we'll talk about Lori a little bit more, but Keylori, he's basically introduces them to together um and so like they it was a very tense scene because they know who the other person is, but like it's it's like a public thing, it's a um big events. Like they can't start like killing each other or fighting or whatever. So it's like them just talking and they start talking about art and, uh, talk about that tapestry and all that jazz. And it was just a very calm conversation, but like it was very tense. And then afterwards, um, I think it was Chloe, Chloe was talking to Yiv and was, they're talking about what just happened. And I think it was, you have said, like that conversation was combat. Like we were battling and fighting in that thing because they're trying to understand each other and to really see who this person is because they're, they know that the other person is their enemy, like their primary enemy. And so um, I really like that scene. It was really cool. Um, And what was interesting though, was how, Thrawn seeks to mislead Yiv by doing the family hostage thing, where th- here once again, Thalius is brought on this mission with Thalius with Thrawn. And so Thalius mm-hmm. is pretending to be like a family slave hostage thing where like she is just a slave to Thrawn. And she they put all this like makeup on that looks terrible and blah 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 and like this is cool how Thrawn chose to give false information to like somehow like mess up Yves plans against the chis, like to give new information that's not correct. And so Yeah. Um that was cool. But another major thing in this first book was just the politics of all the different alien groups because Yiv and the Nick Ardoon are trying to take over alien worlds or convince them to join the Nick Ardoon and Thrawn while he's investigating is interacting with these people as well and it's like the complexity of things and so we learned that Thrawn is terrible with politics. Like, he's good with military strategy, but when it comes to politics, he just doesn't get it. And so, like, I really like that aspect of them showing Thrawn's weakness. Um, Because, okay, one thing, okay, here's another thing that I kind of didn't like I wish we saw Thrawn fail in a military battle or fail. Like he failed in politics and relations with alien groups and policy and stuff like that. Yeah. But I wish we saw him like fail in a mission. Like, I don't think we saw like him fail in that. And I was like, Yeah, he's kind of a little Marty Stu, like. You know, Mary Sue is like the female, like Marty Stu is the male version where he's just like perfect in all that stuff and he doesn't fail at all. Um,
1: we don't really see him th- fail much in these throughout any of the Thrawn books.
0: Right. And the so most I've... time
1: we see him th- fail is in Rebels.
0: And that wasn't even his fault. That's because that schmuck officer took exactly. his own ship, like, and was like, I'm going to show Thrawn. Yeah. Thrawn, like. Oh, so, yeah. He doesn't. <laughs> but, okay. But seeing how well Thrawn can do military sh- strategy like like on the fly, like in the middle, but like, he can analyze things and change on a dime. Mm-hmm. like And with like their primitive technology, he was able to do that. So like in Rebels, in that season three finale where we see him take on the rebel fleet or like that specific fleet, like, mm-hmm. It was kind of under, like looking back at Rebels, it was kind of underwhelming because, like, I felt like he could have done way more than he did (laughs) after reading this book. You know what I mean? But I don't know. It is what it is. So it's like Thrawn was a better military threat than I thought he was. And so seeing him in Rebels, like, yes, he's still super OP as a military threat but it wasn't as strong as i thought he could have been with the advanced technology that he was given but
2: gotcha. maybe i
0: got i got to watch that battle again in rebels just to see
1: yeah yeah i probably should too it's been a while it's been a long time
0: right and so um it was just i was cool it's like looking at all these alien groups and seeing like what their choices are who's aligned with the Ardoon, who's not who's lying mm-hmm all that jazz. Um, and it's like, you just didn't know what was going to happen. Yeah. And so, um, we did kind of start talking about this a little bit, but um, something that's going on in this book and in all the books is um, Thurfian and Zistalmu wanting to take down Thron they see Thrawn as reckless and a threat to the future of the ascendancy. Uh, Cause he always, because of his intellect and seeing threats and making sure things are safe. Like he gets his head in deep water sometimes where he does things that bends the rules and manipulates policy basically and finds loopholes. And they see this as a threat. And it's like, I understand where they're coming from.
2: Mm. He,
0: he can seem reckless. Um, but like, it was because you're on Thrawn's side, like these are kind of like a minor antagonist, bad guy, evil people like they're trying to take down Thrawn. Um, yeah. But um, but they're all about the politics of things. And so um, they're they want to use politics against Thrawn because they know Thrawn is terrible at politics. So like they can manipulate him in ways that he can't see coming. Mm -hmm. And so they, the reason they are doing, they hired Thalius was so that Thalius could spy on him to see, okay, is he actually a threat? Like it can is give us something where he broke a law, broke a Chiss ascendancy policy in any way, then we can use that as leverage to take down Thron. Yeah. Um and so that's Thurfian and Zestalmu. And so Thurfian he throughout these books he works his way up in the myth and he becomes the the top guy. I forget what that term is, but he becomes the leader of the myth family by the end of the book. End of the or in the third book, I believe. Um um, but who else can we talk about we can talk about Cherry. we talked about her a little bit but I liked Cherry's development in the whole trilogy because but she's like 8 years old when we meet her and then she ends up being 9 or something 9 or 10 by the end of the book or series but she is has no confidence she's timid and scared and with the help of Theliaus being a different kind of caretaker, where she actually cares for the the Skywalker. Like she actually sees them as a person and wants the the best for them. Like they're not just a role, like for a job. She actually cares, Mm -hmm. and so Cheery grows as that in a character. Um, But Thrawn also built her confidence because what happens? They go on a separate mission on their own. Like this, this Cheery and Thrawn go on a mission, and Thrawn teaches her how to fly a ship. And um, I thought that was cool. And then he he believes in her ability more than she believes in her ability, and because of that, she's able to build confidence in that. And by the end of the second book, she Thrawn is able to use her. For sensitivity in a way that Skywalkers aren't supposed to be using their third sight, and so I thought Chewie was cool. Yeah, so sometimes she got it was a little annoying. Like, this, div- okay, Mark Thompson is the GOAT, like, he does all of these voices, yeah, dude. But sometimes, dude. this hearing that Chewie's voice was kind of annoying, like, yeah, that's <laughs> it was fair. super high pitched voice Super high pitch and it was kind of like whiny sometimes and
3: oh i don't know
0: like it was just very I was like this okay don't use it, it
2: was
3: literally
1: that high it was like,
0: some, sometimes um but
1: <laughs> she always sounded like she was crying too
0: yeah like she's always like on the verge of tears <laughs> <laughs> it's was, it was, it was funny but yes um but when they go on this mission they meet somebody. And Drew, who did they meet? Come on, Drew. I don't know. Anakin um, Skywalker.
1: Oh, Anakin. Where is that yes. yes.
0: So they they meet Anakin Skywalker. Little Annie. Not little Annie. He's this is in the middle of the clone wars. And so he's out married Annie. <laughs> he's out there looking for Padme. We don't really get a lot of information, but she goes missing and he's out there looking for her. Um, and they they meet up, and they go on a mission together. But we don't see what that mission is. But I believe we hear about that mission in the next trilogy. But I was like, dang, this is all cool, and I didn't think that we were going to see him. But
1: yeah.
0: Um, and then when they come back, he comes back with Thron comes back with a gravity well, or sorry, he comes back with a shield generator. So the shield, alien shield technology that the chis don't have yet. So that's cool. Yeah. Um, and then, but we might as well just kind of jump. We're going to jump ahead a lot and skip over a lot, but we'll go to the final battle where um, Thrawn has his plan and how to win the battle. And he uses Thalius and Chiri again. Like they're held hostage by... Yiv and he Thron crashes his ship into his ship and takes Yiv and takes the girls back like and then all these different alien groups they fight to Nick Ardoon basically and take him out and so the final battle Yiv loses and is kidnapped by the chiss. and so I thought that was a crazy plan. Cause they hide, don't they hide something in their makeup? Like Thelius hides something with the yeah. gas or something like in her makeup. <laughs> like that's thrown like the chess moves, like where he plans ahead.
1: It was really cool.
0: And so, yeah. So Jix is taken. um, And uh, and then that's, this happens. So we just kind of skipped a lot, but. One other character we should talk about is Key Lori, who is the hired navigator from Navigator's Guild. And this guy is the biggest weasel I've ever seen in any story ever written. True. <laughs> like, whoever he's with, he's just on their side and gives them all the information they need. Like, oh, yeah, yeah if he does this, this, this. Rat. And then when he's with you, have, oh, yeah, Thrawn's this. Like, he, he just does what he needs to survive in any given moment and he betrays everyone and is faithful to everybody. <laughs> it's so yeah. funny. Um he was just a weasel. Like it was interesting having him there like for all three books. Like he should have died a long time ago. But Oh yeah. But I was trying to think I like, get there made like live action like who would play him? Like what actor? Like some weird guy like what's,
1: Okay, what's that comic that has like Longer, blonde hair. He's in, like, a lot of older stuff. He's in that... that I don't know if people are watching this commercial right now. But it's, like... It's not for REI. It's for, like, a... Like, I forget. Some sports store. And it's, like, a Christmas commercial. And he, like, thinks... Like, this guy's like, what should I get um this person for christmas blah 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 and he's like yo you should get him this and then he's like no something more personal he's like you should get this massage gun for you and her and then he's like that's my sister and like it's like it's
0: pretty funny commercial but
2: anyways, i have no idea who he's talking.
1: he's in, <laughs> in bench warmers
0: bench warmers you ever seen bench i okay, I've, i think i've seen bench warmers, but i saw that like 20 he's years a
1: blonde ago. dude i think he's in bench warmers am i wrong
0: I have no idea. Oh, gosh. Oh, I gotta look up bench warmers. You talking about David Spade? <laughs>
1: Maybe. I don't know his name. I'm so bad at names.
0: David Spade, yeah. the guy that was friends with Chris Farley and was like in all those movies with Chris Farley. Him?
1: Girl, I don't... I'm bad with names. David Spade, you said?
0: Yeah. I have no idea what you're talking about but no do you think david spade could be Keylori? i don't know about that but
1: he's a little ratty i don't know you don't think so i don't know maybe when he's younger looking i guess now he's kind of older looking
0: maybe but yes but anyway at the end of chaos rising we find out about the true villain And it's a guy named Jixtus, which is an interesting name. Um, But that's we don't know anything about him at the end of the book. We just know that he's there. And then we learn he's a grisk later on in the books. So so that's the first book. Like I said, we skipped over a lot um, because there's a lot of big battles and uh, politics and all that and investigation stuff but that's the first book chaos rising and so that being said before we transition to the next book let's have a little commercial break from lucy who introduced me to the nikardoon in the vcu and speaking of the vcu she has a little commercial and she's in a little heated battle right now and so let's listen to what she has to say
4: hey everyone fictional lucy here If you're wondering what all that shooting is in the background, that's because I'm in a laser battle. So I need you to hear this very important message. You see, I'm from the Voicemail Cinematic Universe, which is an original Star Wars audio drama created by Empire Radio fans through voicemails. This battle is really intense, but you can't see the true drama of it since this is just audio. That's what I need your help with. You need to illustrate the VCU. That's right, I need a picture to go along with every voicemail in this story. Any type of media. Lego, painting, digital, anything. Just go into the description of this episode and find the link that takes you directly to a Google Doc. It'll tell you exactly how to submit your work. So please, start illustrating and get me out of this mess. I really hate this guy, but in the words of Emperor Palpatine, do it.
0: Do it. Yes. Calling all artists. Help us out. We need your help. The VCU is great. We just need it illustrated. And I don't think we're going to meet that Christmas deadline that we were hoping for. Even if we got every single one sent to me by Christmas.
1: You can't even edit it that fast. I wouldn't be able to
0: edit that fast. (laughs) Um, But yes. But that being said, let's talk about the next book. The greater good. And so that is, this book was probably, like I guess I think I said it really, like my least favorite of the three, just because one, there was like very little Thrawn. And, and
1: that's great. And it was,
0: thing. it was more like, like there wasn't a lot of action. That's per se. Like There's a lot less action. It was um, very
1: more politicy
0: politics and you kind of see a different side of the you're more inside the Chis ascendancy where you're actually um, meeting more Chis and seeing their culture and you know see how things are going on um, but yeah but I think you know towards the end of the book it got a little bit more intense with just like what's going on um, so it got better towards the end but the Oh, what we should say is in the first book, or I should say in all these books, there's flashbacks. And so, in the first book, there's flashbacks of just Thrawn when he was younger. I kind of felt like the flashbacks in the first book were not that important. Um, And then the flashbacks in this book um, follow two Chiss and an alien who works for Jixsis, and so. Um, but this book starts out with, you know, you know, the Nick Ardoon were beat last episode. They got you or episode <laughs> last book. Um, but now that Yiv was taken, you know, the Chiss are out there. The expansionary fleet is out there protecting and they're tracking down remnants of the Nick Ardoon fleet. And they're just taking them all out because they're threats. Like they attacked mm-hmm. us. So we're going to, they have the we have the right now to go hunt them down. Um, and so they're clearing them out. Um, but we then get, learn about Jyxtus and, um, Haplif, 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 a different alien species. And he hires, uh, Is there any
1: art of the, the species of alien?
0: No, but he, I pictured him very ugly, weird face. Like they described him, and I felt like his face was like really, like, I don't know. Maybe the way I did, I pictured it, like you know, like a like a beluga whale, like the face. Like I felt like that, but very. Like, yeah,
2: I was thinking more really like more, more textures than that.
0: More no, but I'm saying like it was like that shape, but with wrinkles.
2: Yeah,
1: I, that's literally I was gonna say that, like like like. Like a bulldog wrinkles.
0: Something. Like, I don't know. Like, he like is, a maluga whale. He's just a weird looking guy. Sorry for being speciesist. Speciesist or whatever. Um, but what we learn though is that Jixthus and Haplif, Hapleaf, whatever, were behind the refugee ships that were from the first book. And so the. Refugee ships, they left the planet a planet that we later will be named Sunrise by Thron. Um, they leave their planet because Jyxtus and his people have taken over their planet and they leave and then they go to the Repox system and then the Pakash send out a refugee ship from them, and that's who we find in the first book. And so it's kind of like a weird, like, triangle of events, but the refugee ships were a result of Jyxtus and Hapleaf on this planet, causing them to leave. And so, um, Hat-Leaf says they, he, or he's been appointed to take down the Chiss ascendancy, like as an individual, like from the inside, he's going to take down the Chiss ascendancy. Um, And so I was uh, like, okay, how is this going to happen? And because this one guy, what is his plan? So I guess it was interesting to see like what his plan is. And, you know, by the end of the story, it was very interesting. I really thought it was interesting how they were able to study the people and then manipulate them as a result. It's kind of like how Thrawn can analyze military tactics and figure out what to do. They did the same, but with like on a social level. Mm-hmm. and so it's happily been like is it one other lady like his pretend lover or something like that i forget i forget what her name is but um and so they hapless, he goes he pretends to be a like to someone who wanders the chaos and learns people you know, about alien groups and this world and just kind of does it for fun. Like he's just seems like he's retired and he's just going on vacation all the time. And so um, he goes to, he meets these individuals named Yoponek and Yomi, who are a young couple who are betrothed to get married someday. And they're kind of like on a time where they're where just people, they kind of go out and just kind of have fun and travel the, the, the ascendancy and learn and have experiences. And so Happy finds them say, like, hey, like you're traveling around the ascendancy and doing things and we just want to explore. Like we'll pay for everything. We have our own ship. We'll give you free travel. Just show like we'll go wherever you want to go. And so Happy was just doing this so he can build this friendship relationship so that he can learn more about the Chiss. And so that ends up happening and then yomi is a very annoying person i don't know if you agree with that drew or not but yeah um, yeah and like they they portrayed her as someone like a very cliche like valley girl like
1: you know what i mean they're trying to make them seem annoying too, even like with the voice acting and stuff too.
0: Right, she was super. I you're supposed to not like her because you're supposed to see Yopanek yes. as like a victim of this terrible yes. relationship, yeah. And so, um, but they also write it this way so that Hepleaf can use her against Yopanek and use their relationship against them. So they needed to write her like that. But that's true too. Um, they. But Yomi, like, cause, uh, sorry. So hapleaf has an, cause even though he has a plan on how to do things, he's also like on a calendar with Jixthus, like you have to have this happen by this time or else our, our, our plans aren't going to work, work. So mm-hmm. Yomi, she's dragging her feet because she wants to do her own things, but like, she's not letting hapleaf do his plan. So, Spoiler alert, but Hapleaf kills Yomi, throws her out in the space, and then tells Yopinik, oh, she's going to go to this spot to do something, and she'll catch up with you, you know, in a few weeks or something. And Yoponik's, okay, cool, I get a break. I can go back to this planet. I think it was his home planet or whatever, uh, Selwis. And, fine, like, even though I hated Yomi, I really... I felt <laughs> I felt really bad when she got killed. Yeah, because she figured out that Hapleaf was manipulating plotting. and plotting, yeah. and and then Hapleaf kills her because she finds out. And so, um,
1: not good, man.
0: Not now, no, something they didn't really fully. I don't think they explained it in the book, but it's, maybe it's just more my interpretation of the events, but. Hapleaf does this thing where he like touches people and like people are like, find it very awkward and like weird. And he kind of, Oh, I'm sorry. Like, Mm -hmm. this is just our culture. Like did he do that so that him touching people was so normative that they would just allow him to do that. So that if he had to kill someone, like he could grab them without them thinking that he's like being weird. You know what I
2: mean? Maybe? Yeah, I see what
1: you mean. Like, if someone's...
0: Like, if if someone's like, their culture is to, like, you know, touch your neck or something, and you just get used to it and let them do it, yeah. and then they can just do that and then start strangling you. or something. I, I felt like that's what they were... Like, why he did that? I don't know if it
1: hmm.
0: was clear, but...
1: I didn't think too much into that, but that's definitely a possibility.
0: And so, I don't know. I felt bad for Yomi after she got... Because she just got chucked in the, the oh, chaos yeah. like, I'm like dang like her body just floating through space all in the middle of nowhere in space like never no one's ever going to find her like nope and Yoponik yopinik she,
1: she didn't fly like leo that's for sure
0: <laughs> mary poppins you mean yeah um <laughs> but and but yopinik still thinks she's alive just they're gonna meet up in a few weeks or whatever
1: gg and
0: so then he thinks that she left him and so he's i'm like dang yeah, poor Yoponik. um, but, uh, yes. So while all of this stuff is happening with Yoponik and Yomi and Happyf, um, which is, I guess, I'm thinking that this is happening. These flashbacks are happening, like, is it? Because I think it said something about six months. That Hapleaf was on Selwis for six months. So, after the whole stuff with Yomi and the Open they go to Selwis and mm-hmm. they kind of stay there to plant their seeds, yep. which they use to sell and that funds their trips or whatever across the chaos. And so, I think it said they were there for six months. So, I think a lot of this, like the flash early stuff, like the flashbacks, might have happened. During or before the first book, maybe, and then when when we get to the six month period, it's at the current timeline.
1: I think I think you're right, yeah.
0: Because like I think like the whole when they say like Jix and happy for behind the refugee ship things, I think it was like mean seemed to imply like they just did it, like they just yeah just happened, and so Hapleaf is doing all this stuff during the events of the first book, I think, if I'm reading it correctly. Um,
1: I could see that.
0: And so, I uh, will get back to that a little bit later, but, um, so, they're, so like we said at the beginning, they're clearing out the Nicar and all this jazz and getting, you know, random ships here that they find, but, they, a major plot point is that they come to a spot where they believe there's going to be some Nikardun. And when they get there, it's just a debris field of like destroyed ships and chaos. And
1: mm-hmm.
0: they're like, this is weird. Like, we didn't do this, but all these ships have been destroyed. All these Nikardun ships are gone. And like, they're really confused on what actually happened. Because then they're start because of this, they start, the just start putting things together like, there's someone else out there, there's a yep. different enemy out there. Um and that causes, you know, a lot of chaos between and with Thrawn and we get introduced to another character, Lakinda, who later becomes Xyinda in the next book. But um one thing that they discover is that there were like these meteors or not meteors, asteroid? Asteroid, that's a word. Like an asteroid, mm-hmm. like a rock that ends up having a hidden missile inside it. And so this is something that they deal with in this book and in the next book where these hidden asteroids have these missiles in there that because you don't know it's there, you get so close to it that there's no way for you to defend against it once it launches. And so um, they're able to figure this out. And so... um, Okay, so they're like, yeah, there's more. There's these hidden things. There's definitely another enemy out there, but they don't know who it is or what is going on. And so there is one battle where like they're dealing with trying to disarm this while they're battling and they're trying to get, get it disarmed so they can join the battle. And that was a really cool um, scene. And I think it was this book where... During one of these battles in this book, and it wasn't this mean—not this specific fight, battle—but, uh, they played like a, like a giant ship comes and it plays the Imperial March.
1: Oh yeah, yeah.
0: I totally thought that this was an actually an Imperial. I guess I thought it was a Star Destroyer because like this, there's like like a the giant ship of technology we've never seen before. And yeah. they played the Imperial March. I thought like and it, a Star Destroyer. Destroyer came like okay, the Clone Wars is over, because uh, we know the last book we met oh, Anakin. Yeah, yeah. I'm like okay, the it just ended. They just put they just now they're going into the they're expanding into the unknown regions a little bit to see what's out there with some Star Destroyers. Yep, because they played the Imperial March, and yeah. it wasn't dude i got they got me so bad i was like good, i huh? got hyped i got hyped i was like dude this is gonna be nuts yeah and they just did there's some other times when they played star wars music and weird spots i'm like I, I remember hearing this piece of the soundtrack in this scene in the movie but it's like completely unrelated to what they're playing it to in like in the, they're in just the trying to fill
1: gaps Right. Through the audiobook by just adding in cool music.
0: Man. I think they paid like, Across the Stars, like, yeah. it's some randomly, like, uh-huh. has nothing to do with, like, a love scene or anything, like, romance or anything. Like, it was kind of they
1: They just like to throw in some songs in there to keep the back yeah. bra- background noise, not just, like, people talking. Because, like, if you guys listen to, like, some Star Wars audiobooks have better production sometimes production value why. yeah yeah i don't know why because like i think the high republic one i think was the one that like i remember the most it was one of those books like they were in the city and they it would be like the same br- background people like slightly talking but it was so there's like a part in it that was so repetitive that i was like not even paying attention to the actual audio I was, like, paying attention to what was happening in the background of a city. Oh, they just, they just copy-pasted. It, it was, like,
4: the same noise, the same, <laughs> on, like... On loop.
1: Yeah, and it was, like, at some point, it was, like, very, like, okay, this is actually distracting now. This is not actually <laughs> it, helping me.
0: It kind of reminds me of in Bad Batch when they go to that one planet with that senator that they rescue, and, like, the crowd is out there. And if you look throughout the crowd, like, it's... All same. the same person, but they just like change hair color and skin yeah, color. Yeah, yeah, and... It was
1: like they just cut corners somewhere <laughs> and that was like where they decided to cut.
0: Right. But anyway, a major plot point in Greater Good, which I really wish they spent more time on it than they did, but uh, Thrawn and Thalias and them, they are able to track down they go Sorry, they go back to the Pakash people and the planet Rapak. And because the refugees that were from the planet Sunrise, which we'll learn about, were they left Sunrise and they went to Rapak, um, Thrawn figures I forget how, but he figures this out and he or was it? No, he goes back to Rapak to see if the Nick are still there because that's where they were before yep um but and so the pakash they took over the Nick Ardun ship and so at first it's like okay here's a fight but then what's his face I can't remember his name like the main guy that's a pakash says like no we took over the ship and thrawn's like okay can I can we meet up and talk again like you know like and talk about the refugees that are on the planet and so thrawn wants to meet the refugees They're like like what happened like where is your planet blah 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 so he kind of goes to investigate and when we get there there's a small group of people i think it was like was like 100 people or something like that i was alien group that were refugees and Mm -hmm. their leader is someone called the magus and she's kind of like the the matriarch she's like the leader of these people and like a spiritual leader and all that jazz and we learn that their planet was basically destroyed, and she has no hope for her people. And like, their planet is dead. There's no hope. There's no point of going back. And her plan is like, if we die, like, we will join the the beyond. Is that was what they call it. Yeah. The great beyond or whatever. The beyond. And it's like by, a
1: culty kind of.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, like, she's like, if we join the beyond, like, we will be able to rebuild our planet through being kind of like, like they can influence the health of the planet by, by dying and joining the beyond. And so what is interesting though, is because they're a a matriarchal society, Thalleous is a talking person to the magus, and she's the one talking and learning. And, trying to convince them, like, can we just go back to your planet and, like, see what's, like, tell us your planet so we can go there and investigate and see, maybe, you know, there's still hope there and people can, you can go back. Um, but she's like, no, like, all hope is done. We're we're planning on just kind of all committing suicide, basically, um, so that we can just help restore a planet. Um, and so eventually they leave uh, the magus and one other person, they join mm-hmm. Thrawn and Thaliis and them on their ship and they go investigate and they, they can fast forward, they feel like there's no hope on their planet. And like the second person kills himself and out of hopelessness and, you know, they, because they're worried about the magus killing herself because she's the only one that knows about what happened on that planet they they put her like into sleep like they what do they call it? i can't remember what they how they worded it but they put her like knock her out basically with like in a chamber and they just keep her hostage basically just to keep her alive like she can't think she can't do anything she's just so she doesn't kill herself i'm like dang this is kind of dark like they're just yeah putting this old lady to sleep and putting her in a locked up room and just to keep it. It was kind of like along the lines of like, uh, being frozen in carbonite, but it wasn't carbonite. It was just, she was still fleshly. Um,
1: yeah, that's true.
0: I was like, dang, this is kind of rough, but like we got, after that point, we get very little about the mages and the, the, that storyline and like i said like in this book there's not a lot of, as much thron as i thought there would be and so i i was really pumped about like this major stuff and like their view of the forest and i was like oh dang this is gonna be really cool and then we didn't get a lot until later on at the end of the book and then a lot more in the next book but but thron he's doing his thing trying to investigate all this stuff and um right and so that being said We'll go back to the Hapliff stuff on Selwis. And so what they what Hapliff does is as a like a gift to people that he meets, he gives these broches or a jewelry made out of a special material called Nyix. And what we learn is that Nyix is like the most precious metal out there. And it's used to like build their like fleet, their, their ships and and stuff. And they're, and they're just using it. This alien, the egg buoy, that's the name of their species. Yeah. Or at least that's what they call themselves. Maybe it's not actually what they are, but they just use it to throw like jewelry and they just give it away. Like, I guess nothing. And so,
1: it's like if someone was, like, making, like, necklace out of Baskar and just, like, throwing it away.
0: Yeah, yeah, here's some Baskar stuff. Like, and so, you know, so they're on this planet, Selwis, where they're, they set up on this, like, piece of land that's, like, owned by some farmer. But, like, you can plant over there. It's not the best dirt, but you can have it over there. And so they give the brooches to, like, the farmers. They give it to, like, the kind of like the mayor or whatever of whatever town that is or governor type of thing that that allowed them to come on the planet and set up their little farming thing. Um, And like, they like, dude, can you like look into, like they send it into like scientists, can you like analyze it to see what it is? And they realize it's Nyx and they're like, and eventually they talk about like, where'd you get this material, blah, blah, blah. And like, oh yeah, there's this plant. It's just kinda in the middle of nowhere. We just mine it for this stuff and just it doesn't really mean anything. It's just something we do type of thing. Mm-hmm. And so because the we talked about last week about the, the politics of the families and stuff, but yeah. Um this family, um which I should have wrote down their names, but I should probably Google that. But um, they're part of the 40 and so they are not a ruling family uh, and so they are the
2: they're co- lower co- right?
0: co- code you code you, low, code you is the name of the family? I can't pronounce it but um, they're like they if can we can like
1: lower grade like, is their family like technically lower?
0: They're just part of the forty. Like I don't. Yeah. Know. They're so they're they I have influence. I mean. They have some prominence, but they're not a ruling family. And yeah. this governor mayor guy, I forget his name, but he's like, um, like if we can get this planet, like take it for ourselves, kick out these egg buoy people, like yeah. we'd we'd jump into one of the ruling families because we'd have mining rights to this planet and we'd be able to
1: mine all this supply
0: supply to the expansionary fleet and to the rest of the ascendancy to like give all this mining all this this nyx material yeah and so um it's a good plan it is like it's good like how he wants to like do this but then like it kind of crap hits the fan really quick (laughs) with this and so Um, he, what we learn is that yes, there's the expansionary defense fleet which protects uh, the ascendancy from the outside, but each family/slash planet has their own defense fleet just for that specific planet for any threats that could come their way. Um, and what did
1: they forget about that or what? I don't remember.
0: Well, they were just kind of like like there's no use for them because they've been had fed peace for so long and you know they're not being attacked from the outside that they know yep. of yet and oh, so like right. the, yeah like they're not there's it's peace times like when you get comfortable like you don't expect bad things to happen and so yep but this mayor guy he's like we can take this planet for ourselves um and then we'd become one of the ruling families and because there's nine and they could be the 10th And so what they're able to do, which is a very interesting thing is they, any family can call for a, or establish a family emergency. And by doing that, they can activate their military warships. They're just for, for their planet, for their family. But not only that is if any of their family members are in the expansionary defense fleet, they can call them back for the family emergency and they have to go. And so oh, yeah. Yeah. um, we were introduced to LaKinda earlier in the book and throughout this book as someone working with Arlani and Thrawn and investigating and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And she gets called back like, Hey, there's a family emergency. We need you to come back. And she just leaves. And she's like the, the leader of a sh- an entire ship, like in the mm-hmm. defense fleet. And so, she gets called back and they're like, okay, we need to take over this planet type of thing. And, you know, one thing leads to the other and she's able to connect the dots that this is not a good thing because they learn that there's other families that are going for the same plan. There's two other families yep. gunning for this planet. So there's more than one happily, basically. Spot. There's there's a bunch of different... At, this, at one point, there's other... Egg buoy or other uh, people in Jixus' entourage that are doing the same thing that Hapleaf is doing. And no, they got me. They, I thought something was going to happen and I was completely wrong. Like I thought that when these three, because they said these three families or these three planets were all in the same like sector of the ascendancy. So I thought, That when those three defense fleets all left, I thought Jixtus and his fleet were going to attack and take over these three planets.
1: Oh, I thought thought that was they're gonna like be sneaky and go behind their back and
0: yeah. Once the 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 fleet leaves, I thought that was gonna happen. I'm completely wrong. (laughs) I was wrong, Um, but. Lakinda figures out what's going on, and Des gets related to Thrawn, and Thrawn is like, I gotta stop this from happening, blah, blah, blah. And they Thrawn gets there first to this planet before the other three families do. And they all get there, and Lakinda is trying to tell them, like, This is a setup type of thing, blah, blah, blah. Or I can't remember, I don't know. It was a really thing like this whole battle was like really confusing. And even like from the chist perspective, like all the politics and stuff, like they're like something else happened here, but we don't know what happened, and no one's telling us the truth. But but none of the evidence is there to prove anything, type of thing. Yeah. Um but earlier in the book, they're able to capture some alien ships that are like remote controlled, like 20 ships or something like that. Mm-hmm. That were controlled by Jixus's fleet or whatever it was and they Thrawn uses these remote control ships to fake attack his ship and so then the three families are forced to fight these remote control ships type of thing and so they all work together to defeat these things and then Thrawn is able to use Chiri to like move A ship or something? I can't remember what it was. Like, she's able to, like, look into the future by three seconds to, like, know when they can use their, uh, what is it called? When they trap a ship and they pull it toward themselves. What is that called? Like, at the beginning of episode four, when this is Star Destroyer takes, what is it called? Hyper? beam? No, no. Yeah, No. Tractor beam. That's what tractor it is. Beam. Tractor beam. They have like I their own... I thought you meant like a force like... No, because they needed to like tug a ship. Yes. That's falling or crashing or whatever. But they, if Correct. they didn't do it correctly, it would have looked like they used their tractor beam. Mm-hmm. And so Thrawn uses Cheery to like use her third sight, which has never used been like this before. And she's able to say, okay, now, like a few seconds in advance. And then they use the tractor beam to like make it look like it crashed the way it's supposed to or whatever. Yeah. And so crisis that's how, averted.
1: That's when you see that, that's when you realize it's like force related. Right. That's when, that's like the moment where you're like, Oh, I see what they're doing. Right. Like this is not just like a skill that people are like have when they're young. Like this is force
0: related. Stuff. Right. And so, um, and we learn that where the Nyaks actually came from
2: mm-hmm. is
0: the planet that the Magus is from. Like they make these this jewelry out of Nyaks and whatnot. And so they learn that because they wake up the Magus and show her this brooch that I'm trying to think it was somehow. One of the officers, someone from Selwis was able to send the brooch to Lekinda somehow. I forget how it worked out, but that's how she gets it as a gift. So she has it, mm-hmm. and then they're able to show this brooch to the major. They wake her up, like, do you recognize this? We got this from your planet. Like, Thalia's lie. Like, yeah, we got this from your planet. Like, someone from your planet gives it. Like, because they assumed that was from the planet. And the major was like... <gasps> my people are still alive type of thing and, like, gave hope. And so that's how they got some information about that. So the mage just was... Then she was thrown back into her sleep chamber thing. <laughs> um, but, yes. So that's the second book, Greater Good. Like, there's a lot that happened, there's a lot of space battles and investigation that we didn't go over.
1: Yep. But that was, like, the gist of... Yeah, There's so, a lot less Thrawn in that
0: A lot less drawn. So it was a lot of just watch, uh, seeing these flashbacks with Yopo Nick and Yomi and Hapleaf and then stuff happening on Selwis about, you know, the people like figuring out like who are, is this Hapleaf guy? What are they doing with this Nyx and mm-hmm. the whole manipulation by Hapleaf? And then because like Hapleaf is on like a farm with this Southern Axe ex- guy, this family with like redneck accent and Mm -hmm. so the farmer guy figures it out and he ends up killing hapleaf or fighting him or whatever and then like so but then like the ship leaves without him type of thing so i'm pretty sure hapleaf was killed but he had it coming so
1: yeah he did
0: but maybe it would have worked out maybe instead of Manipulating people with Nyx, he could have just manipulate them over a cup of coffee, right, Drew? I would have, That's because a lot
1: of stuff done.
0: Yeah, a lot of people they sit down like a lot of first dates. Let's go get some coffee. Drew.
1: They are you saying all dates are manipulated?
2: All right. <laughs> uh, I don't know. <laughs> uh, I've I've uh,
0: never been on a date, so I could never tell you. Okay. But people like to put on their their best set of shoes on their first date just to make them look better than they really are because everyone looks great on their first date but then as you Three get to know center. someone you see all their dirt dirty laundry um but yes so but a cup of coffee i hear is a good first date so if you want coffee you should get some wesley andrews Got coffee to. and tea so you can order it well, we're going to tell you how you can order, but you can also go to the coffee shop itself and get coffee for a first date. Sure. So if you live in Minneapolis, St. Paul area, that's a good place for a first date, right, Drew?
1: Yeah. Actually, I've seen a lot of people get stood up.
0: Oh, no. There's, there's
1: been a couple of times where people are like sitting there by themselves, waiting to order. And I'm like, "Oh, do you need anything? And they're like, well, I'm waiting for someone An hour later. I'll just have this coffee to go, and then they leave. And like, ooh. I should remember one time someone got broke. Someone was there, and they broke up with someone there that they were like dating for like four years. And this guy was a regular. I'm like, bro, why would you bring her here? Did she break
0: up with him, or did he break up with her? He
1: broke up with her, and she started crying. Like. It was a really, I don't want to, it was. Maybe you shouldn't go, I don't know. Let's just just
0: listen to a commercial from Wesley Andrews, Coffee and Tea.
3: Hey everyone, Andrew here. I'm pleased to tell you that the sponsor of today's episode is Wesley Andrews, Coffee and Tea. If you don't know anything about Wesley Andrews, you definitely should. They're an award-winning coffee roaster and shop in Minneapolis, Minnesota, and they make fantastic coffee. The awesome thing is that whether you live in the Twin Cities or not, you can get their coffee beans delivered straight to your door by ordering them online. They even have a subscription service that ensures you never run out of amazing coffee. If you've been looking for some new coffee to try, or a way to elevate your normal coffee routine, now's your chance. Head over to WesleyAndrews.cc, use the code EMPIRERADIO, that's with a capital E and a capital R with no space at checkout to get 15% off your first purchase of any bags of coffee or a coffee subscription. I can't think of a better deal. Get 15% off some great coffee, support a small business, and support your favorite Star Wars podcast. In the words of Emperor Palpatine, do it. Do it.
1: Do it. All right. That was so, the tea that i I gave you I gave so
0: tea. <laughs> so your story reminded me of my my brother Jonah, so okay. his so he's married, and his first date with his wife
2: mm-hmm.
0: was a blind date, but oh. their their blind date was set up a night of a snowstorm, and so my brother Jonah was two hours late to the blind date. And she waited for two hours
1: what?
0: at the restaurant. And this is like, they didn't even have each other's. This is like,
1: this is before like cell phone. Well, well before they, cell
0: so phone this would have been, late. they got married in 2009. So this is like when I was in high school. So yes, cell phones are still a thing, but I don't think they had their, each other's number. So mm-hmm. he called the restaurant. I was like, Hey, is there a girl waiting there? Like, tell her I'm on my way. I don't know how long I'm going to be, but, She waited for two hours, and now they're married, and they have a family together. So It was meant to be. It was meant to be. She waited two
1: hours. She's never going to let him live that down, though. Anytime they get in a fight, you know that it always ends with you. I waited two hours. (laughs) (laughs) Every single fight, they always have.
0: All right, well, (laughs) we got to do this third book a little bit faster than I thought we were going to be going. So let's go a little bit faster with this third book. The, The juicy one? Lesser Evil. And so this book was – they sh- they should have named the, this one Chaos Rising like the, for the first book because this was tons of chaos in this. Yeah, so, they should have
1: switched. Like, Lesser Evil should have been the first book.
0: Yeah, because the Nick Ardoon were the lesser of the evils. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, so um, – Dang it, Timothy. Yeah, so – they this book really showcases the politics of the families compared to the other ones like i hear about all this stuff okay i'm reading these two first two books there's all these politics like blah 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 but you don't you you know you start to see it in the second book with the whole you know three families find this planet or want to use this planet and they take it for themselves blah 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 and you get this that politics okay but this one is when crap hits the fan because. Um. So at the beginning of the book, they find out that you know they figure out that this destroyed base or this destroyed stuff was all staged, and they they you know they're doing the research and they just the doing the research and they find out that there's someone named Jixtus and that he's in the power. He's was the one in control of the Dune the whole time, um, but like this. The Gixters, what he does is he goes to families and he says, I have some video of some footage. Like, I, there's a greater threat coming at you and I want to help you type of thing. Um, and it's just like a little, like what's like five second clip or something. And you know, the families, they see it and Oh, like, that's nothing, blah, blah, blah. But he, he gives this video to like multiple families and blah, blah, blah. And, it's like, it's a, like a practice battle, like between with families, like they're these, these three families, they're joining forces and they're going to, you know, work together. And, you know, we don't, don't know, like people don't know, like they just see this video of these families that weren't supposed to be like allies being allies or something like that. And uh, we find out that Jigsaw he starts kind of like feeding lies and, you know, giving rumors to these families and because of this, all these Chis families just start fighting each other and going to war and like space battles against other families and like he like he used the whole thing on Cellus and the three the three planets and the whole Nyak stuff to like stir the pot a little bit to cause conflict. Those three families start conflict and then in the next book Jixus is able to start conflict. Based off of this and like get spread all these rumors and stuff, and so, like I said, crap hits the fan. What do you think, yep. Drew? Like, like, what do you think?
1: I think there's parts of this book that that is it kind of keeps you on edge, which I really enjoy. Like, it's a good wrap of a three book series, I think. Like, this one it wraps it in a way that keeps you on edge and it wants you to go back, go to the other three books and read more into it. And maybe you'll get like a resolve kind of, and, and it's, I think like, like compared to the last one, this one, it, it kind of develops thrown in a different way, which I really enjoy. Like his development throughout this book compared to even the first, two books like i don't know i feel like you you learn thrawn more deeply throughout this book and his war tax like the way he battles and stuff it's really really cool so and that last battle scene is just unreal it's so good
0: right and so he like we learn more about thrawn's inability to navigate family politics um and we learn this uh more directly through the flashbacks because the flashbacks in lesser evil this third book um most well maybe not most of them well maybe i'm trying to think but like a lot of them have to do with a friend that thrawn makes early on in his military career um, Thras, and so mm. Thras is his becomes his best friend, and they're kind of opposites. So Thron is a military genius and understands military strategy and how the military works and that way of thinking. But Thras is more of a politician, more yeah. of um, policy and family stuff. Like he can understand that really well, and. They really complement each other, and Thrawn. It's like,
1: like when I was like listen reading this part, I always like thought it was like Palpatine and two. Like I think Palpatine character is like a mixture of both of these characters combined, or like he Palpatine understands everything about like family. Like, politics, like, not family, but, like, the politics of, like, the Empire. And he learned how, like, the only way he was able to do, become who he was, is to get into that leadership role and become the leader of the Republic or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, he was able to do that. But it was always so much farther ahead. Like, Thrawn, when he battles, like, he's always, like I said earlier, like, four or five steps ahead. And I feel like that's, like, Palpatine, too. Like, he was planning out this whole Clone Wars just to get to the end result of something else. Like, that was his whole plan. So, I think, like, I liked how these two characters, like, we were, like, figuring out both these two characters. But then when you really think about it, it was like, oh, this is, like, literally Palpatine, but split in two, which is kind of cool. Like, yeah. I don't know if that was Timothy's, like, thought process of creating these two characters, but... Uh, That's what I thought of. I just thought of Palpatine for some reason.
0: Right. And so... It is interesting that you put it like that. Um, But we learned that... um, The myth... uh, Patriarch, like the head guy... I should should have put his name down. But he... And... Someone else. I can't remember who it was. But they... They were the opposite, kinda of like we see Thurfian and Zestalmu trying to take down Thron because he sees them as a threat, but the myth patriarch Thrachic Thraktic? Something like maybe that's what it is. Something like that. He and I think someone else saw Thrawn and Thras as the opposite, where they're two opposites in ability, but they're the best at what they do mm-hmm. and if those two work together, like they'd like be able to bring prosperity to the ascendancy, like beyond anything anyone could ever know type of thing. And so it was interesting that they were kind of like things were put in motion so that those two would become friends and they were on that trajectory to, you know, do that eventually. Um, Cause like some of the flashbacks, like they're just playing like some strategy game or something. They're like a board game type of thing. And Thrawn is trying to teach him how to do military tactics, but then Thrass is teaching them about person relations and family relations and all that stuff. And like, you could see the beginnings of that, like where those two could work together and teach each other things, and they could become great leaders for the ascendancy. Um, but sadly, Thras dies. Like, we doesn't. We don't get a timeline. I don't think. But like, I think he he's out like in lesser space. I think it was, and he is on some alien mission or something, and like they have to sacrifice their lives to save a group of people and so thras sacrifices his life to save these aliens or something. And so he dies, which is kind of sad, but um was it though? Yeah, cuz when people die it's sad, okay? Except for Tim with two M's from Andor, Screw that guy. <laughs> um but yeah, I so
1: two M's
0: but yeah, so that's those those were one aspect of the flashbacks. Um, but like a part of it, when they were one of the flashbacks, was that Thrawn and Thras were recruited by another family to retrieve a package that was stolen. Uh, I think it was by aliens, like an alien group, and they don't know what it is. Blah blah blah, but. With Thrawn and thrash together, we're able to defeat with both military and, like, psychological, like, relations to, like, get recover this object. And what we learn is that it's a part, I think it was, of an ancient weapon that the Chiss had, uh, Star Flash, is that what it's called? yeah. Um, which is basically it takes the, it's kind of like a like star killer base kind of, but like a, a much smaller version where it can take the power of the sun and like destroy a bunch of stuff at one time or something like that, I think. And so the chis used that weapon once a long time ago to defeat an enemy that was about to destroy the ascendancy. And we learned like in, I think the first book that the home, like capital of Chila, like was like an, it's like an ice planet. And it's because they used that weapon that it caused the atmosphere and the way the world planet works. Like it completely went to chaos because of it. And mm-hmm. made it for a nice planet and blah, blah, blah. And so it was this weapon that was used. At, it saved the Chiss Ascendancy, but it basically ruined the planet's ability to function properly. And so they, this family hired Thrawn and Thrash to get this weapon artifact back so that these aliens wouldn't be able to replicate it or whatever it was. And so the whole time I thought like, okay, is this Star Flash thing going to come back in? Be used. I thought this was going to be used at the end.
1: So did I when I first which, read these books.
0: Which they clearly Timothy Zahn. Timothy's Zahn set it up to look like that, but then kind of shows Thrawn's ability to not have to take use of the most terrible weapon that could be used, and so. Yep. Um. So. Anyway, we should mention that... So this is a character that we... A main character that we get introduced to in this book is Rasku. Rasko? Rasku? Rasku. Rasku. Uh, she is a, like... Rascal. Something like that, yeah. So she, she has, like... She's an interesting character because she's very hot headed in a sense and very like, don't tell me what to do. Um, Cause she, she's independent in the, I don't know. That's a bad word, but she's, she doesn't take orders from, she's not good at, she's not going to listen orders. to another family. And so she's very prideful with her family. And, um, and, you know, she almost just, dist- does make some terrible decisions, but there's one scene where she's about, scene? huh?
1: There's one scene. It is a scene, I guess. Chapter
0: where <laughs> she's about to get destroyed by one of those asteroid missiles because she doesn't know what it is, and Lakinda showed up to like stop her. Like, hey, you don't I, go there. Just don't go. This is a. This is a cr- gonna be it's bad. A trap. It's a trap. Um, I need to get that button. Because, you know, Jyxtus wanted the ship to get a rescue and her crew to be killed because it looked like this other family yep. did it. Yep. And if that happened, even more chaos would arise. Like a family just killed an entire, blew up an entire ship. Mm-hmm. And so, like Kinda, when she, or I guess it's Zion now at this point. Yeah, she, changed families. Yeah, she changed families. She changed families, and to stop her from being killed and making this mistake, she fired Zayinda, fires at Roscu. like, doesn't like hit him, hit her, but enough to like get your attention. And so, then woke her up. Rosku's like, all right, I'm listening, and then they're able to defuse the situation and um crap did not hit the fan but it would have been really bad and so that was i really liked that scene that was probably one of my favorite scenes in like the whole trilogy actually i just i just really 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 liked it um and so um there's that but eventually oh i should say one other thing cheery and the mages have a deep connection force connection so it gets Mm -hmm. It gets started at the end of the last book when they wake up the mages because they're hiding her in Chiri's and Thales' like, living quarters, like in a side room or whatever.
1: Yeah.
0: And so when they wake up the mages, like when she's freaking out and like, what did you just do to me? Like, you just put me asleep. How are you doing this? Blah, blah, blah. Like She looks to the bedroom where Chiri is. And then she like calms down, like she makes a connection, like and like like end of last book. We're like, what the heck's going on? Like, what was this that happened? Mm
4: -hmm.
0: And then even like throughout this book, like, like what exactly happened? And so the Magus is able was able to like see that Cheery was force sensitive, even though they don't call it the force. Yeah. But um, and so then later on in the book, it's really creepy. so if you if you're reading the book, it's not as cra- crazy sounding, but in the audio version, the magus possesses cheery in a sense and is able to talk through cheery so this mm-hmm. nine year old girl who you know talks really high pitch blah 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 is now talking like this crazy old lady alien voice, yeah, like
1: it's kind of cool
0: it's cool, but then she's like talking through Chiri and Chiri's able to like have like she's having like nightmares and dreams and because the magus is communing with her in a sense and it's just like as a weird confusing stuff which i wish we a little creepy wish we got more information on but um they but anyway um they find out long story short there's a final battle that's going to happen at sunrise which is the planet that the Mages Center people are from. And. Yeah, not
1: actual sunrise.
0: Not actual sunrise. It was kind of more of a hopeful thing that Thrawn had. Um, but. Um, so, one thing that. This was kind of like a. I don't know if it was a plot hole or. It wasn't fully written out, but. When the just possesses cherry she's like i need cherry so that we can see the future so that we can defeat the enemies like mm-hmm. like the only way we can defeat the enemies is if i use control use cherry to you know see the future and they the i guess it was Sumakro was in charge of the ship at the time and says no like we're not doing that we'll find our own way and so, you know, by the end of the book, like, the chists win. Like, they defeat the enemies, but they didn't need to use Chiri and the Magus. So, yes. it was like, it was, there was no explanation on that. Like,
1: like why they didn't use them?
0: No, like, because it made it look, the Matrix was like, if you don't do it my way, you're all going to die. And they didn't do it her way, and they were just fine. And so, like, I wonder, yeah, did the, I was the Magus just kind of, like, stuck in her ways? Like, the only oh. way we know how to be successful is if we look yeah, into I the future. Yeah, I
1: think it was, like, another thing to show, like, Thron didn't need that.
0: But, like, I w- it would have been an opportunity where because they refused to listen to the Magus, like, the Chiss lost... Like, because I, I, you know, going in, like I said, I didn't know anything about what happened. I didn't know how Thrawn left the Ascendancy and joined the Empire. Like, I didn't know any of that. So I was like, maybe Thrawn, you know, loses this battle. The Chiss get taken over by this enemy and he flees. Because like, the only thing I heard was like, Thrawn left and joined the Empire so that he could protect his people somehow. Like, that's all I kind of really know. It's like, oh, maybe he joined the Empire so that he could take the Empire back to like save his people or something. Like, gotcha. so I like, so like, part of me thought that the Chist were gonna Thrawn was gonna lose.
3: Mm.
0: Um But spoiler alert, Thrawn didn't lose. He actually won. He and so um so this final battle was kind of nuts. <laughs> there was a lot that happened in this battle. And so the yep the expansionary defense fleet, they had, they had a bunch of ships and then there was a bunch of other ships that were from like the planetary defense fleets that joined. They kind of were all hitting in a debris field of like all they destroyed ships and stuff like that. They made it look like there was a big battle there that whatever. And so when the Grisk arrive uh Jictus and the Grisk fleet arrive you know everything's they're all hidden basically and then they all mm-hmm. come out and start attacking and what they actually do to take the have the advantage over the Grisk was in the first book they capture a gravity well generator and they use that to their advantage because we learn a lot about uh, space travel in now. So like they have this thing, where like If you're too close to a planet, you can't you get sucked in and you're screwed, like you can't use your hyperdrive, you can't blah, 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 you get stuck. And so yeah, it was a really confusing thing for me, like to understand like, how they can go in and out, out of planet, but if they do it wrong, like they get, they can't do anything type of thing. Um, but if you get too close to the planet's gravity, well, like Poles that's in. what that pulls you in. It screws mm-hmm. with your ability to use your ship. And so this gravity well generator that was stolen from an alien plant. I forget which was it the Garwians or the Leo Aoi I or whatever they're called. I can't remember what yeah, it was. Yeah, the
1: Ori, I think.
0: The Leo Aoi. <laughs> I, yeah, I could never that say way. that. I, I heard him say the name a million times.
1: You still can't say it. And
0: I tried to say it and I, I, I couldn't do it. But so because, but yeah, <laughs> when you're caught in the gravity well, you can't use your hyperdrive.
1: Yes.
0: And so, um. But what a lot you see in the three books is that you can do in-system jumps, which is just a short jump distance, like where you're only going like. You're not actually jumping into hyperspace. Really, you're just kind of doing a quick type of thing. Like, pop, pop. like
1: don't they do that one in the movies? Some I some Poe do that on Millennium Falcon?
0: Uh, you're talking about hyperspace skipping?
1: Yeah. It's like kind of like that, isn't it?
0: Um, Similar, but he's still going from like system to system. But here they're just – it's an in-system where you're only going like from like here to the moon type of thing. Like –
1: Hey man, that's a jump.
0: That's still like two hundred fifty thousand miles away. I
1: mean, yeah, like.
0: So that it, is a small it's not the jump same
1: thing, but it is like, kind of, kind of like it.
0: And so, um, so they're able to use this gravity well generator to stop the Grisk ships from being able to fly properly because they turn, on the, they turn on the gravity load generator and the grist ships can't go
4: mm-hmm.
0: anywhere or move. But then the chist ships are able to navigate through that. They're able to do in-system jumps and jump back and forth and all this stuff. And so they're able to kind of, it kind of reminded me of the high Republic stuff when the Nihil were using those, There's that one battle where they're just kind of jumping back and forth and like from spot to spot remember Mm -hmm. that scene and like so it kind of reminded me of that where you're doing like all these different jumps and you're just moving back and forth and people can't really hone in on anyone and so Mm. they use that to their advantage um and they're able to get Jixtus's ship stuck in sunrise's gravity well and so like he is getting destroyed. Like his ship is getting destroyed. But then he's able to like back into like the gravity well where he's close enough to the planet where like he can't do anything per se.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: But like if anyone else tries to come at him, they're gonna get sucked in too. And so he's kind of like safe down there. Um and he's kinda like faced away from the planet so he can attack. But anyway, um, there's a point where they find out with a grisk figure out okay, this ship right here has a gravity well generator, like that's what they're doing, and they go after that ship, which is, if I remember correctly, it was Apros. Um, which was, a mm-hmm.
1: uh, yeah,
0: there's so many names, like I can't, bro, dude, there's so many names,
1: that's why I was like. Kind of disappointed you didn't make a PowerPoint,
0: dude. I I didn't have time to make a PowerPoint, (laughs) but um, we can. So then he, so then he's on like, um, he then he's on the run because they figured him out and they're like, okay, our thing is all, our plan is taken over. Like we can't, you gotta get out of there, type of thing. And so he's, you know, he's doing this thing where he's trying to escape, blah, blah, blah. And earlier in the book, um, Apros is talking with um, Zyinda about um, family honor and not like, you know, I'm not like going to be remembered for anything we do at this final battle, like like, I don't want to sacrifice my life if it's not going to mean anything. But Zyinda is like, you know, who cares what, you know, the ascendancy thinks about you? Like, you know, Do where are you? Yourself. Like, we're going to remember you. Like, you're, mm-hmm. your uh, team here, your family is going to remember you. Like, that's all that matters. Um, And it kind of calms Aperos down. Like, okay, you're right. Like, that's, I don't need to be remembered by the whole ascendancy type of thing. And so there's a point where Apuros is. Um, he has the like the ship. He escapes because like they, the uh, the Arline was watching him, but got distracted by other things going on in battle, and he's able to escape. But like Apuros is like, I can get to him and I can stop him. It's so, like, oh, like he's gonna sacrifice his life. Dude, oh really? I, because that's what I decided. Like he's like the only way yeah. is if I sacrifice myself. Just I'm, I'm the only one that can get to him. So I, I'm gonna tell you, I, so I got teary eyed when this happened. Really? <laughs> I was like, he was this couple of chapters earlier. He's like talking about family honor and he's not gonna be remembered except for anybody but like his family. And then, and yeah. here he's gonna have to sacrifice his life. Like I'm like, oh no! Mm-hmm. Like I felt so sad. And then he didn't have to die. Like, they, they, like, the, um, what is it? Allies who come back. So all these, fam- uh, all these aliens, like the Garweans, the Vax, like, all these alien ships, they come and they come and save the day. Like, that was part of Thrawn's plan. Was yep. They come. So that's how they finish off everything is these other aliens come to help. Which I... Th- I thought that they would have going into before the battle started. I thought they were going to already be there in the battle, waiting and in, in hiding. Mm. I didn't. It's so like when they when the battle started and they weren't there. I was like, oh, they're not coming. So it was weird that like they came at the end of the battle. I yeah. so, but it's whatever. But um, Jixtus realizes that he's been defeated, and because his ship is just getting completely demolished. And so the with the Grisk ships they explode but they explode in such a way where nothing no debris is distinguishable so like you can't even find a Grisk body cuz they he's like covered in no one knows what a Grisk looks like cuz he's covered in like a cloak and like his face is covered with a veil and like you don't know what yeah. he looks like and so no one knows what the Grisks look like and so he just explodes the ships all the other gris ships they explode and there's no evidence of what happened and then like the ex- the rest of the fleet from like the chist come like because they're going there to like stop the battle or something
2: mm-hmm. and
0: they get there and the battles done but
2: yep
0: um which is kind of Party's funny
1: over.
0: party is over which and so all of this was like a big plan with general bakefe who's like the lead of the expansionary defense. Like he lied to everyone, like the, the politicians, like the fam, the aristocra, I think that's the term. Yes. Um, the, the military or the family politics is the aristocracy. those nine ruling families, like all the politicians and stuff. Um, and so he was like part of that, like conspiring, like not communicating with them just so that, cause they know that they would mess with the, his plans and stuff. But, at the end of the day, like this whole conflict with the grisk and the fighting and all that stuff is seen as Thrawn breaking Chis law and policy. And so in order for the ascendancy to move forward,
1: they have to them go.
0: They have to put all the blame on Thrawn and that way everyone else like Arlani and Zyinda, and all these other officers they are protected from any true like wrongdoing. I like, guess like they know like okay you were involved we know it but people like Thurfian and Zilstalmu and stuff they wanted Thrawn out anyway. So, so
1: they're trying to find any way to get them off.
0: Like, so the like time. um they put all the blame on him and so what we should say is before we go a little bit further is they asked like the aliens like the Garwians and the Vax and all of them that showed up to fight like they why did you come to the aid and stuff and they said because or why did they be ally like become allies with the Chiss and he said because they were the lesser of the two evils type of thing. So, like, they saw the the Chiss as evil,
1: mm-hmm.
0: but the Grisk were the bigger evil. And so, um, now, I have a hot take that mm-hmm. people in the Discord, namely two individuals, are going, I'm not going to name them by names, but they know who they are if they listen to this. But There's been lots of debates over the last months and months about Thrawn and how they don't like Thrawn being labeled as a villain in, like, the Rebels or during the Empire time. Like, they don't want to see him as a villain. Like, it's wrong to label him as it. And I was like, I don't know. I'm kind of confused. Because he's just trying to protect his people. Like, so he can't... be whatever, like what well, that's, that's basically like he's trying to protect his people. So it's like, you can't call him evil. He's not a bad guy in a sense, but there's a line. There's something that he says that I, at the end of this book, like at the end of the battle that it's cements it in that he's, I consider him a villain. Like He's a bad guy because he said, someone would ask him like, like one of the things like he had the option of killing all the mages and her people like yeah to for whatever and he's like i would kill everyone on sunrise if it meant the protection of the ascendancy like i will do whatever it takes to protect my people and if i have to com- commit genocide to these people i will and hmm. when you say something like that you're a villain, in my opinion.
1: I I think I think people like because Thron's character is so like beautiful in the sense of like the art and how that's like included into his character, the mind of his character, and how he thinks and how brilliant his character is. The th- and and I could see how people are saying like he joined the empire to protect his family and his people and stuff like that and but the, at the end of the day he still joined the empire he didn't try to th- join the rebel alliance to protect his people like right like at a certain point he could have tr- switched paths and he didn't and he knew that what he was doing at some point he was gonna he started to know what he was doing wasn't right. Well,
0: so, for but for him, he thinks what is right is to do whatever it takes to protect his, the Chiss. Yeah.
1: But and, do you think if in the middle of him being part of the empire, like in Re- rebels, he switched to the rebel side and.
0: Well, the thing about the, the rebels is that they're protecting themselves And their people so if he joined the rebels like he's fighting for something that's not his cause and so like i know i guess i haven't read the second trilogy yet but he believes that aligning himself with the empire is the best to protect the chiss like yes because i'm assuming that way the empire does not become doesn't target the chiss i'm guessing i don't i I don't want to getting spoilers but that's what i'm guessing blah 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 and so like i i guess it's now it's solidified that he's a villain in my mind mm-hmm. at, at least from the ascendancy trilogy through the events of rebels he's a villain he's a bad I guy
1: he's a villain because Timothy's on wrote him as a villain, like. Like, he's a good guy in the sense of, like, there's a lesser evil. Like, there what is lesser evil? But, like, at the end of the day, he's still a villain character did in you, the Star Wars series.
0: you see what Yellow Snow said in the chat? I love the part where Thrawn said, it's Thrawn in time. <laughs> that's a good saying. That's a, that's a good...
1: It's Thrawn in time. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I like Thrawn's character, too. But,
0: I I love him like I don't have anything against his character like I love, Thrawn's character no, from start to finish. Like,
1: you, you're rooting so, for Thrawn in this 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 series, yes. but he is like his character is still not the like he's still,
0: he still kills innocent people. He kills rebels. Yeah. He does all that jazz, and so and
1: and so yeah, he's still evil. Just because you're reading a book in the perspective of him, and you could. Sympathize with his character doesn't make him not a bad guy at the end of the day, right? But I do think Thrawn is gonna have a redemption arc in the Ahsoka show. I don't know, I or think, or a Ezra Ahsoka, not, some or Ezra and Ezra and Thrawn book in between Rebels and the Ahsoka, whatever gap there is and i know if there's a big enough gap timothy has already said that he's gonna make a book about it or books about it i think there could be a potential redemption arc in that sense
0: well i don't i don't see thrawn ever changing his commitment to protecting the no, ascendancy. No, I don't think so either. So, but like do I don't you
1: think there's something he could do with Ezra that could make him not like like him saving I, Ezra or
0: like I, he okay, he can everything he does, he does for the ascendancy. So if he does something with Ezra, his end goal is to use whatever he's doing with Ezra to protect his people. And yeah, like the fact that when we get the name drop of Thrawn in Mando season two with Ahsoka's episode, like the a magistrate, yeah, the lady, she's, a bad, she's, a really bad she, she's, she's under Thrawn. Like, yeah. so like, we don't know what their relationship is. Like Thrawn is her master. And so at whatever Thrawn's doing at this time, it's still an association with like that lady is still an evil lady because she's oppressing that town, that city.
1: True. Yeah. And so
0: like whatever he's a part of, it's not good, but it's, it's, it's not good for the people in the galaxy, but it's good for his people in the ascendancy. And so like, I don't know what Thrawn's going to look like. Like, I just don't know. Like I have no idea what to predict about it. I still think that there's going to be, an interesting relationship between him and Ezra. Like I, I'm really excited to see what that's like, but
1: if anything, Ezra could just become a bad person.
0: He could. He did struggle with the dark side. And so if Ezra's evil too, like that is a possibility. But anyway, we got to finish off the, the book. But, um, so yes, Thrawn, he takes all the blame. Like he's one punished for everything that happened. And he is exiled. To a planet on the edge of the chaos and so the plan is like from his perspective is like and general Bekeef too i think there's like he's going to be on this em- planet on the edge of the chaos which aligns which's on the edge with the rest of the galaxy that we know and he's they because they learned that the clone war is over and this there's a new thing called the empire and so they're already nervous about what this empire is um and so they are going to put him on this planet and he's going to monitor the empire and he thinks he's only going to be there for a few months to a year by himself you know and then he's going to return and like report back if there's things have gone to crap or whatever Mm -hmm. um like I want, you know, we got the tales of the Jedi and type of thing. I want an episode of Thrawn on this planet by himself hunting (laughs) like him. Like I I just picture him like the Velociraptors in Jurassic Park. Like when, you know, like when uh, Samuel L. Jackson Gets killed. Like mm-hmm. that. That guy is like outside, like trying to get into the facility where, you know, what I'm talking about when like then yep. the velociraptors like kill him. Like I just picture Thrawn like that, like, but he's hunting the velociraptors. <laughs> like yeah. he's able to manipulate like whatever animal he's trying to hunt mm-hmm. and like put him in like a trap. I don't know. It'd be kind of cool. And so that's how the book ends. Is Thrawn is put into exile. And that's it. Yeah. So, I like I guess I I enjoyed the overall plot. I think there was some weaknesses with like a lack of Thrawn at some points. Um, and it's definitely a story that I wish I could understand and retell better than we've gone over. But it's very complex. There's yeah, a, lot of, very lot complex a lot of lot of characters. A lot of nuance, like a lot of plot issues or plot points that need Not to be plot understood.
1: issues, plot points that are very. So, like, if you guys are just listening to this and you're like, what, you guys missed this part? That's... Let us know because we know we probably missed a bunch. And
0: and it was and... intentional, too, to like this for time. Like, we've already gone way over than I thought yeah. we were going to do, and we still got voicemails. So, <laughs> but... but overall, I'd probably give this. What 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 should we use from Descendancy to Plasmaspheres? How many Plasmaspheres out of 10? I'd probably give it a solid 8 Plasmaspheres out of 10. Oh, I'm a 10 out of 10. 10 out of 10? No. 10 out of 10 is like there's no problems. For me, like, I, throw, I don't think there's any problems. Okay. That's fine. I
1: think it's Thrawn, man. I love it.
0: Yeah. I don't know. I have no All right cool cool but let us know send us send us a a message on our email or voicemail if you have any comments or things that we missed or whatever yes
1: please do and let us know if there's other like books that you guys want us to break down i know we plan to do the next three throne books and maybe lost star
0: um
1: gotta convince jeremiah to read it Yes,
0: you do. But let's let's if that's it, let's just go over to the transition over to voicemail time. Go voicemail time. We got a lot to get done. So
1: it's voicemail time. Do we have a lot of voicemails?
0: Okay, so we have one, two, three, four voicemails. But then we got some questions from our friend. Elias, who sends them via email. So let's start with Elias. He has, it is a he. We did bring that, like, we didn't know if Elias was a male or female, but he did mention he is a guy. Um, So he has three questions for us. First question, because Christmas is coming up, I want to ask you, what is the best Christmas gift you have ever received? Oh, I know mine. What is it?
1: Um, it was, I want to say it was my first Christmas with my wife's family, and every year, us, like, siblings, we all do Secret Santa, including, like, in-laws and stuff, and I, I did Secret Santa, and we have, like, a budget limit, and I was joking, like, you know, you put down your budget, I think the budget was 50 bucks, but I joked, and I said all... Like, it was, like, the, the original six Star Wars films. This was before, like, Seven even came out. And I was like, I want all the Star Wars films um on Blu-ray. And it was, like, $100. And I was joking, and I got it, and I was super happy that my brother-in-law, Momo, shout out to you, Momo, he bought it for me. And we I still have a picture of, like, Because I randomly picked him, and so I bought the thing he wanted that was a little over budget too. So we both took pictures together. So yeah, fun, fun, cool.
0: Cool. So Uh, my favorite gift was probably in first grade when (laughs) I got (laughs) when I got a dog for Christmas. Oh, you remember my dog's name, childhood dog?
1: I don't remember the name, but it was a golden retriever.
0: Yep wonder
1: wonder that's what it was
0: well technically his his full name on his dog license was godzilla the wonder dog <laughs> who,
1: who picked that name your dad
0: i did really and it was that's so funny i remember the, i think how i got it was burton ernie <laughs> got a dog what? in on sesame street and they're going over names and i think uh who's who's the orange one Ernie. Is that Ernie, Ernie yes. was like we should name him Godzilla the Wonder Dog,
1: and that's what I you think
0: picked? if I remember correctly. That's and funny. so I convinced. So when so I said that, was that
1: was your dog. That wasn't just your family's dog. Like, was it like your?
0: Parents, it was, like, yeah, here's. Yes, here's it's a family your... dog, but
1: no. But was it like your I, present or was it everyone's present?
0: It's a. It was for the family, but gotcha. I, I was a kid of the family, so it was.
1: That's true, because your siblings More... are like significantly older than you, right?
0: Yeah, that was first grade. So Noah was like my that. sister was a freshman in college, and then my okay. brother Andy would have been a senior in high school. And Noah, I mean Jonah, Jonah. You never, get, you always call him Noah.
1: I don't know why, Jonah.
0: So then he would have been. Middle school or something. Really? Something like that. So yeah. I was a kid of the family, so I it was my dog. Whatever. I don't care. Bite me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So second question.
1: How old qu- was he when he passed away?
0: The dog? Yes.
1: No, your brother. Yeah, the dog. Oh.
0: Um, well, I was like, I don't think my brother died. Uh, uh, it was... Uh, October 2007, so he was 11, almost just shy of 11, I think.
1: Oh, dang, it was that long ago.
0: Because it it would have been 96, Christmas 96 when I was in first grade, and it was November or October 20, 20 I remember when
1: you got a dog too. That's what's crazy. Yeah.
0: Yeah, All right.
1: I didn't think it was in the 90s for some reason. I don't know why.
0: All right, next question from Elias. What is your favorite Pop-Tart flavor? Mine is either Oreo, strawberry, or Eggo. I have never tried Eggo. I've seen it, but that's...
1: It's like maple syrup, honestly. That's it?
0: But I think I would have to go with the Oreo, just like he does. It's like cookies and cream slash Oreo. I used to like cinnamon, but I think it's kind of overrated, dude. Really? I don't like Remember, we had people if we debating this in the Discord, and people were saying that the cinnamon one is just weird.
1: I have like, a friend who literally is diehard strawberry with no frosting,
0: no frost. They make those? Yeah. Make Pop-Tarts with no frosting? Yeah. That's that's blasphemous. <laughs> But I like any, a lot of the fruit ones, like blueberry or cherry. I get no. I like oh, blueberry or cherry. I'd Say hey, if you can get a raspberry one, I like those too. Oh, raspberry! And I sometimes remember the,
1: the last time I had one.
0: F- but then the fudge ones are good too. But my oh, yeah. go-to is the Oreo. Oh, I God, I get those
1: really. The go your go-to is the Oreo, huh? Yeah. yeah What's yours? So cinnamon.
0: your cinnamon. I All think right. so.
1: It's just easy. It's classic.
0: All right. So then, next question from Elias, which I guess it was four questions, not three. I was going to say, wow, but, this, okay. but this third one is something that only you can answer because I don't, I can't answer this. But he says, "What is your favorite Lord of the Rings soundtrack? Did you ever listen to the music of Lord of the Rings?" I
1: have, but I don't. I don't you know, know it off. Like I, I, I don't know the names of it.
0: I couldn't tell you any of the themes. Like, I wouldn't. I rec- would like
1: the Hobbit song, like theme.
0: Okay. Or, or like the Shire.
1: Yeah, the Shire. The,
0: okay, I guess I remember that one because that's the only one I remember. I'll go with the Shire theme. Yeah,
1: I would say that was probably my favorite. I don't know the names, like I do like the Star Wars themes,
0: All right? But. But then his last question here is, which line do you like more? I love democracy, or it's treason? Then. I go with it's treason then. Yeah, I, I was think, gonna say that too. I it's think treason, it's man. it's a more iconic scene, it's intense scene. Now, if you ask Brady from the Discord, he mm-hmm. always uses the "I love democracy" gif gif thing oh, in the yeah. Discord, so he loves that. But you go with it's treason then
1: out of those two. Yes. All right. I mean, I prefer. Obi oh, one but that is that
0: is true. That is your favorite quote of all time, right?
1: Yes, I need to make a button. I keep forgetting.
0: Yep. All right. Thank you, Elias, for that and those four questions. But it's time to move on to the audio versions of voicemail time, and let's listen to the first one from we just
2: mentioned him, Brady. Hello, Empire Radio. It's Brady. I just thought of something that I wanted to share with you guys and ask for your opinion on. So, I recently got my first cosplay, I suppose, so to speak. It's a Director Krennic uniform, and I'm excited to use it. However, I live in a collective dorm space with a roommate, and I think it would be really strange for him to just walk in and see me in this this, uh, Imperial Officer uniform looking in a mirror or recording a tiktok or something so i'm a little bit embarrassed about doing that what do you guys recommend i was thinking that since i live on campus i would just go at like 10 o'clock at night to some really obscure classroom one day and that nobody's going to walk in on me and try on the uniform but um, uh we'll see what do you guys think (laughs) thanks for being such a supportive community see you guys Well, Brady.
1: Weirder though, someone did walk in at 10 o'clock at night. Those boys just stayed in the middle of the classroom.
0: I think you just need to own it. Who cares? Who cares what your roommate or your floor mate say? Just own
1: the class one day, bro. Just go all in, put it on in the morning. Like it's like another outfit. Just put it on and just walk to class and just go. Yeah.
0: Or what you should do. Like, you know, like if you have like a group project. And, like, you did, like, all the work and no one else thing. You, you could quote Director Krennic with your costume on and be like, this is my achievement, not yours. <laughs> like, you could you could yeah. do that. Like, just own the costume. Wear it. Be proud of it. Don't be shy of your... Yeah, even
1: Yellowstone the chat said, wear it to class. Like, just go for it, man. Okay, first
0: of all, he is in a military school, so he might not be able to... <laughs> I don't if know if he has a, allowed, Okay, well,
1: let's say if you're allowed to wear one. When it's you want, casual
0: Friday uh, in yes. your thing, wear a to Krennic uniform. Just wear it. But yes. Or just be like,
1: just wear and be like, oh, I, I grabbed the wrong uniform. Sorry, the other army I'm part. And then
0: of. and then they're like, it's treason then because <laughs> yeah. you're another another <laughs> that military then he leader.
1: But <laughs> he's sending those voicemails from like military prison. <laughs>
0: Kind of like how the VCU mm-hmm. when Lucy and Will mm-hmm. and then were setting voicemails yep. from prison. But yes, Brady, yeah, but like you said, do that. Just, just own it.
1: How rough can Canada prison be,
0: though? I don't know. You have,
1: like, free donuts.
0: All the maple syrup you can drink, oh, right? Drink- <laughs> um, all right. Thank you, Brady. But we got some more voicemails. So first one here from Eddie. She has two tonight. So this is number one.
5: Hey, Anchor radio, it's Addy back at you with another voicemail. I just wanted to ask what your opinion was on the Bad Batch Season 2 trailer that just dropped. Me, personally, I loved it. I loved it a lot. I watched it, like, a billion times over. Still watch it. Uh, I love Omega's outfit and, like, just the, like, different colors of the armor and whatnot. is just awesome. I actually have been thinking of cosplaying her at ICC. I don't know if I'm saying it right. Drew, correct me if I'm wrong. I-C-C-C-Con, because I've been trying to convince my parents to take me for my birthday next year. Anyway, I hope you have an awesome day. And may the first to be with you. Bye.
0: Well, Eddie, to answer your question, tune in on Sunday night to the live stream. Oh. And we yeah. will have a full breakdown of the Bad Best trailer.
1: Yes. You could also go watch my reaction video to the trailer. I'm
0: sure she already has. She's she's always quick to comment on our videos and stuff. So yeah, sure, That's <clears> true. <throat> yeah, I think she already did.
1: But, yeah, that was probably my reaction. But, yes, it's con.
0: And she 3-C-C. might be going. So, so,
1: yeah, if you're going.
0: We got to figure out what we're going to do. Because make sure
1: you come say s- hi to me for sure. <laughs> I don't know about your mind, but uh, I'll be there.
0: We got to figure that out. Yes. Why I mean, can't it? Why does it have to be in that? like why can't it be in Minneapolis or Chicago or something? I don't want to go all the way on Nashville. It's a long way.
1: It but, is long, and it's expensive. Yes. But I'm excited. I'm gonna figure it out because I need to go again. It's
0: so. end of end of May. Is yes. Memorial it's weekend. Memorial weekend. So if see you there if if we, go. We, if we go we'll definitely meet up with you and your family Addie. so it'd be cool to meet you
1: and anyone else that goes make yeah. sure you come say hi
0: talking to you will you're like probably the closest you're yeah, only will. you're only eight hours away eight hours away it's kind of stuck uh, all right long but i should think it's six depends how fast you drive so you can get there in like three well, if you go fast enough
1: Unless you're Andrew and you take the wrong route and you add two hours to your time because you want to buy a tripod from Best Buy. But anyways, yes, keep going.
0: (laughs) All right, next voice. That was your first one, so let's listen to voicemail number two.
5: Hey, I'm Part Radio. It's Eddie back at you with another voicemail. Here's my question for the week. What is your favorite holiday dessert? Me, personally, personally, is Ginger Snap Cookies but like the homemade kind. My mom uses this recipe, but since my dad is allergic to cinnamon, we use allspice and chili powder instead of cinnamon, and it's so good. Anyway, let me know, and may the force be with you, and dad, have an awesome day, may the force be with you. Bye.
0: All right, first of all, it's very tragic that your dad is allergic to cinnamon.
1: People allergic to cinnamon?
0: Well, you can be allergic to anything technically, but that's very sad because cinnamon is one of my favorite things, and my signature dish is my banana bread, which has cinnamon in it. So then he can never have the best thing that I can make. But you
1: could add
0: chili powder and allspice. Yeah, that'd be weird. Would it be? Try
1: it. Maybe it slaps.
0: Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> but her question is, what is our favorite holiday dessert? So that would include cookies. Does, are cookies considered a dessert? Because she says ginger snaps, which is a
1: Yeah, that's a yeah, des- Yes, of course.
0: Um,
1: it's, a, it's a dessert. Cookies are definitely a dessert.
0: I, remember, I don't know. I thought cookies were more of a snack.
1: That's because you ate too much of them. Technically, they're a dessert.
0: I don't know. I might have to Google that one. I'll have to... Okay, okay, what? Cookies I'll, with I'll, ice
1: cream in the middle? Ice cream sandwich? Okay, that's if it has...
0: dessert. If you have ice cream with it, then yes, that could be a dessert. But just some chocolate chip cookies or something, or any kind that's of cookies? a dessert. I don't know. I'll take Gordon Ramsay after this and see what he has to say. Yeah,
1: right? yeah, let, tell him I said hi,
0: too. Alright. Um, but if I had to go with a dessert, holiday dessert, it would probably be my aunt Karen's apple crisp that she makes at Christmas. Oh, apple crisps. No, it's it's not even like an apple crisp. It's like, it's called apple slices. So it's like, it's like, it has like a thin, like pie crust on the bottom kind of. And then it has like a sugar glaze on top with like another more, uh, pie crust. I don't know. It's, it's thinly sliced apples with cinnamon in it, like so it's I don't know, it's kinda like an apple pie, but it's more thinly sliced and it's more like an apple crisp pie. To, I don't know, it's kinda hard to explain. But I That's have so confused. More it
1: confused is. than throne books.
0: Right. But it's apple slices, <laughs> it's a, it's very good. Uh, every year I always like when we eat it at the end, it's like the only reason I came to Christmas this year was so I could have an apple slice. But I don't think we're having like like that- Christmas, my mom's side this year, so like I don't know if I'm ever if I'm gonna get it this year, so I'm sad.
1: So wait, really? You don't?
0: Because the only yeah. time I would eat it was Christmas just Day. Call
1: her up, be like, "Yo,
0: can I get that? Get that slice?
1: Can I get that slice? I, she, if
0: I, dude, if I she would she, do it, if I asked her huh? do She would probably make me a whole pan just for me. She probably would." But Drew, what would be your favorite holiday dessert?
1: Probably my mom's pumpkin pie.
0: I knew you were gonna say pumpkin pie. Really? I, I, I just I just felt it coming, like you were gonna go with a pumpkin pie.
1: Yeah, I I made Stephanie learn it over Thanksgiving. My my mom like taught her how to make it. So I'm I'm hoping she makes it for Christmas Day, but we'll see.
0: And if it's not good, what are you gonna say? <laughs> like, if you don't, if you lie to your wife and say, Oh, yeah, it's great, it's always gonna be terrible for the rest of your life. Truth. So, but, but see, the would you rather hurt Stephanie. your, would you rather hurt Stephanie's feelings once, yeah. Yeah. or would you suffer your whole life nope, eating terrible pumpkin pie? Well, I'll be a good
1: critic. <laughs> you get forced, like, do you want five stars? This is, this is not five star level, you know? Like when Miles starts like drawing pictures and he wants it to be on the fridge, but like, bro, this is not this stick figure is not fridge worthy. You gotta do it okay, a little more. But after.
2: his his
0: first stick figure Sure can, of can go. Yeah. But if he's like if fifteen like and he's still drawing the exact, same stick figure. Like,
1: like if that stick figure doesn't get eyeball, Bro, like, like at
0: least at least draw some like humps on his arms for hump? like muscles. Like a
1: couple eyeballs, maybe a nose, but yeah, no. <laughs> But yeah, so, no, I'll, but Stephanie's really good at, she, if it's on, like, exactly, she's one of those people that, eh, she follows the recipe to the T, like, well, when it move. comes to baking, you kind of have to do that, yes, but she's with it with everything, like, today she was, like, making, like, a bake, like, it's, like, uh sushi bake, and her friend gave her the recipe, he's like, oh, yeah, you kind of just estimate, and she was, like, stressed, you know, I was like. Girl, it's not that hard. Like, just estimate. Because she's, like, that particular when it comes to cooking, which is why I mostly do all the cooking. But, yeah, so, like, if it's to the it's written out, which my mom has it from, like, my grandma. So I think she'll be able to do it.
0: I have faith. Cool, cool. All right, well, that's the last question from Eddie. But we have one more question from Will. So let's take a question from that.
2: Hey, Empire Video, Will here. I was curious. Is there going to be another round of... movie rankings? Or even a show ranking? Well... You might want to be on the show, because Bad Patch is coming. Uh... What about, um... score rankings? We got the, we got the new Andor theme out. Uh... Yeah, I'm just I'm just curious on if that would be coming in the future. I'd love to hear it. All right,
0: thank you for that question. So, reevaluating our some of our rank videos or episodes. So, like movie rankings, we haven't done a show ranking. Uh, up with I think more maybe sh-
1: after Ahsoka, we could do a, a show
0: ranking. Could.
1: But it's hard with the show because they keep coming.
0: Yeah, they keep coming like even after Ahsoka there's gonna be skeleton crew, like True. And an Acolyte and it's gonna be hard to do rank like someday we'll have to do a show ranking. Like top five shows where we combine animated and live action all in one. Um It's gonna be it'll be hard. I think I think I could probably go with my number my top three right now, I could probably say what it is, but I don't know. But it's too early to tell. The Too many shows coming.
1: Yeah, got to figure out when to stop. <laughs> right, Where, wherever the next show break is. Honestly, we should have done it before and or because that was a longer gap, wasn't it? Book of Boba. No, no, we had, and we I mean, had
0: Obi Wan in there. I guess. so. A- now we're we're gonna be going like. Dude, we're gonna go every to the next year every there's only gonna be like two months between shows now and so hopefully we'll get to a point where it's like the movies where they stop making movies and there's just a break so it'd be nice if even though I don't care about ever getting movies again it'd be cool if they stopped doing shows and they I want did, a movie, dude. then they did I'm movies at, every year for I'm like the, three four yeah. years
1: I don't okay so like we are talking before the stream like um, before I mean not before the stream, but before we the podcast recording. Um, so if you guys want to go follow us on Twitch.tv Empire Radio, you guys can get some of these conversations. But we're talking about um the new what's that movie that's coming out this weekend?
0: Avatar. Avatar.
1: We're talking about the new Avatar, and Jeremiah's gonna go see it. And like, I miss going to the theater to watch an opening of a Star Wars film. Like, I really miss that. Like yeah, it's been a while. Like I really want that feel of being in the movie theater on the edge of my seat, waiting to see if it's gonna be good or bad. Like (laughs) I recently watched like, um, Big Bang Theory. Yeah. In the episode when episode seven came out, I remember the episode. Yeah. Yeah. And like uh, they invited what's his name from Star Trek, and he like came out and was wearing his Spock uniform or whatever, and he was talking about he's like, Star Wars fans are too serious, like. It, they're gonna act like if it's bad it's gonna be the end of the world and then like in the middle of him like compl- complaining about stars fans they're like wait did you hear something it bad oh it's gonna be the end of the world like it was so funny like it was so real and i was like watch this the other day with steph and she was like dude that's so you i'm like
0: yeah <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah so yeah. i just want that feeling again for some reason
0: yeah there's always that hype there's Like, a new show comes out, like, yeah, it's exciting, but the hype around a movie is different. And going to the theater, like, everyone's, like, before, like, this in the lobby, like, you can just feel the buzz.
1: Oh, yeah, dude, you're in line of, in the lobby waiting to go opening night, like. People
0: all in their cosplays and.
1: Dude, if they did opening night reviews of, like, like, if they gave, like, AMC, like the rights to play like the first two episodes of the show or whatever when it comes out. Oh yeah.
0: Like if they did like an opening kind of like Lucy, got to see the first yeah two episodes or whatever of Obi-Wan like at with our celebration. That's, like yeah, that's
1: pretty dope. But something like that, they did that. Like they signed a contract with the movie theater company and they were able to do that. Like a preview showing like
0: dude, that'd be so it, cool. it has to be at Marcus. Marcus is the best.
1: I don't care where it is. I just wanna go. Like you and me would like we would vlog it, we would go and then do a podcast like right after together. Like, I don't know. I miss that would be s I can't wait for the next movie just for those experience.
0: But there's nothing on the docket for a movie, so Yeah, I'm depressed about that. Like stuff. even if they announced a movie Since this month it would be like another two years. Like we'll probably this this we'll probably have a new president by the time.
1: Oh, hundred percent. The next, I mean.
0: well, unless Biden gets reelected, but that guy is knocking on the grave, dude. I don't know how hey, long he's going to last. Chill. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you. Will, for that question. Uh, we're getting, we're knocking on three hours tonight. So this is one of our longer things for a oh. while. So let's go over some social media stuff and get out of here. So if you go in your description below, wherever you're listening, There is a links.co slash Empire Radio link to our landing page with everything that you want to get connected with us. Instagram, Facebook, uh, the Discord uh, invite link. Click on that. Join the Discord. Um, We also have our fan email, EmpireRadioFans at Gmail. If you want to email us anything, you can go uh, email us there. We check that every day. Um, There's a link to send a voicemail. If you've never sent in a voicemail, please. Send us a voicemail. Uh, it's always exciting. Um, and we are also part of the Needlessly Nerdy.com podcast network. So if you want to get connected with some other nerdy podcasts, so go check that out. Um, our YouTube link is there as well. Uh, and there's a, our Twitch too. Also, for we live stream every episode. So go do that. And you can interact with us in the chat. Because Will and Yellow Snow seem to be dominating the – the chat yeah so it's it's really exciting when you can get like 10 people in the chat just talking about stuff and so go check that out and And if you guys
1: are normally in the chat and you haven't been for a while due to not caught up on and or something before bad batch and like there's only like what two episodes left or two podcast recordings before then so come back if you're listening to this real quick come back and yeah and and if you're uh
0: if we, we, since we plan on doing that, ask us anything in a couple of weeks after Christmas, like it'd be cool to have a, uh, an active chat for that. Cause that's just going to be us hanging out and having fun. And yeah, so. Yeah, it's a
1: end of the year kind of podcast episode yep. too.
0: So come, come join that. Bring your
1: popcorn.
0: Bring your popcorn, your, your mantel mix. Oh. Cause bad Or batches. your cereal. Blue cereal for purple cereal or whatever it was but yes so that's everything right Drew anything
1: else you want to talk about nope
0: all right that's it we'll see you guys Sunday Sunday for the Bad Batch trailer breakdown so yes you have been listening to another Thrawn-tastic episode of Empire Radio I'm Jeremiah I'm Drew and may the force be with you
1: always
5: The Needlessly Nerdy Podcast Network, your source for all things nerdy.
3: www.needlesslynerdy.com